Yeah. Cognac? Yeah. I'm trying to get into drinking liquor. <laughs> It's the As 2019 comes to a close, we have no other recourse but to judge it, to determine if 2019 at the end of the day was a good or a bad. That's right, folks. Buckle up. It's the Zero Credits 2019 Best Worst Acquaintance be forgot and never brought to three for mind. Let all that is correct, John, and all lang syne. As three, (laughs) as is tradition at the end of every year. We must let our all of our acquaintances be forgot. Forget them. We are going to determine what should be remembered and what should be stricken from the record of history by determining by <laughs> by determining the best and the worst of various categories as determined by our listeners ourselves in a random number generator. I'm doing a lot of Sean Evans hand motions for no camera. <laughs> Now, a lot of people, they, they wonder, throughout the year, they say, who gave these people the right? Who gave them the right to discuss the zeitgeist every week? I don't know, but it's the same person who gave us the power to strike things from the zeitgeist at the end of every year. Nary, three years ago, we woke up from a stupor with two things. A little pass that says you have the right to discuss the zeitgeist. And a gun <laughs> that can specifically target things from the zeitgeist. And it, it's you can take them out of the zeitgeist with this gun. And we got enough bullets to do a best worst every year. 
ad infinitum, which I'm, is to say an unlimited amount of bullets. I, I'm still thinking, uh, even the day we got the gun, I was thinking, eventually I think the, the natural ending of this is we realize the power is too great and we strike ourselves from the zeitgeist. I'm, and then we never existed and the power thus never existed. It's a real uh, movie of button in a box what kills a person movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the attended sort of uh, plot that whatever trickster demon uh, wanted us to like sort of go through but instead we're doing the selfish greedy thing and policing the zeitgeist and striking things from the record yeah we are abusing this d- demonic power <laughs> a little note for the listener uh john and i have little noisemakers that we originally uh pr- well actually i think they were a gift for my birthday but I originally wanted to use them for a 150th episode, and that passed, and I forgot all about them. But boy, howdy, am I sure I remembered I had them for this. Because there's no way that's not annoying. I think they're expired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot to read the Best Buy date on the side of the package. But speaking of Best Buy, our best worst is brought to you by the delicious, I don't know because I've never had it, taste... Of Live Oak Primus Weizenbach. You've never had a Primus? Bavarian-style Weizenbach Live Oak Brewing Company. 12 fluid ounces, 8.0% alcohol. I'm just reading the whole can. Uh, now, this is actually... I know we talked about this last week about blowing up some Austin institutions. Like, the, uh, I won't say that again. Uh, but I know we talked about blowing up some Austin institutions. Live Oak is actually brewed in Austin. Not in, like, Blanco or Blanco or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, it's one of the proud few. I've had, uh, Live Oak Hefeweizen, which is delicious. It is very bready and very, oh, it's such it's a good time for all. Uh, I just had a sip of this Primus, and I feel like a new person. This feels delicious. The Primus is delicious. I like to call it the banana bread of beers. That's what it is. Because it's bready, sweet, but it's like dry and kind of alcoholy. It has like a fruity finish. Uh, and surprisingly high ABV. Primus is delicious. I'm going to pace myself with this Primus because we have a whole year to get through, John. We do. The longest year in human history. The year of our Lord. X, X, X. Tentacion. I was trying to do the Roman numerals, but I don't think it starts with an X. M, 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 X, uh, I, X. Yeah, M, M, X, I, X. M, M, X, I, X. M, X, I, X. You know, there's a phenomenon that a lot of people have observed where as you get older, time moves faster, but... I think there's also, like, a weird climate change thing going on where the years are just getting longer and longer. Remember January? Remember January of this year? People, like, joked at the end of January of this year that's like, January was the longest year I've ever gotten through? Yeah. And that was the first of those years. We've been through almost 12-year <laughs> months. Yeah, there, there a lot happened in 2019, so much so that, like, making a list for this was difficult because some things that I imagine that actually happened in 2019 seem to have happened three years ago. Mm-hmm. For sure. I actually, uh... I had a hard time doing... So we, we got to prep the first three of our list. Because uh, we decided on these uh, categories ahead of time, as you heard last week. 
But, uh, so, and, and uh, it, it was, I was hard pressed trying to nail it down because it seems like so much has come out. But then when I searched for stuff, it narrowed. So, yeah. like, for instance, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out last year. Yes. Even though it feels like it didn't. Yeah. Because it came out in December. Mm-hmm. No, it, uh, it very much felt like a... Was that part of our last year discussion? I hope it was, because it probably should have gotten movie of the year. Yeah, it, it should have, because yeah. it was my favorite movie of the year. If not, I am remiss. Uh, but... Uh, 2019's extremely long, but I think one of the more interesting things about 2019 and this list is that, culturally speaking, 2019 really popped off in its last three months. Oh, well, yeah, just like uh, every year, uh, they save the good stuff for almost last, you know? Mm-hmm. They all want to be last but not least, you know? Yeah. You know, you, you, wanna, you want the holiday money. And it's funny, because, like, all these big blockbusters, they come out all throughout the year. But the really good films are, like, around October on. Yeah. And I think that's true for, like, uh, the the cultural kind of consumption part of 2019. But, I mean, in terms of, like, culture uh, and politics, 2019 has had some crazy turns. And I'm glad it's over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we won't have enough. That's one thing. We'll never have another 2019 again. Yes, until well, the to, until the new AD. Until time is a flat circle. Until we all buy Lincolns and find ourselves somehow in 2018. I don't want to be around for that, though. I hope that I'm not on that path. <laughs> eh, you get to see Into the Spider Verse come out again. Oh, that would be worth it. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, I'd probably like go opening night. What do you think of the idea that human beings do exist at all times, but we only experience time linearly? So, like, our consciousness is the light behind a film strip, but our existence is the film strip. So, Slaughterhouse-Five. Slaughterhouse-Five. Or Dr. Manhattan. Or Dr. Manhattan. Those are the same two concepts. Yeah, um, that's interesting to think about because it, it actually meshes very well uh, this is a sentence. Meshes very well with the religion I was brought up in. Mm-hmm. Presbyterianism. Manhattanism. Manhattanism. Uh, but like that's th- said in Presbyterianism and Calvinism, which it splintered from, that the Book of Life is already written. Which people translate into, oh, you have no free will. It's like, no, you just exist. All the choices that you- you're going to make have happened. They- yeah. They exist. You choose them in the moment, but from the perspective of somebody who sees all time, of course. Yeah. We're, we're the most predictable book ever written. Yeah. Because all of the choices that we make have already been made. And that's not to say that you should, like, succumb to apathy. Yeah. But it's it, it's a way to look at your life as if you're con- constantly immortal. Yeah. Because Billy- your experience of, of time is, like I said, the light behind a film strip. Billy Pilgrim has become unstuck in time. Yeah, I've uh, built a sandcastle on Mars or whatever Dr. Manhattan said. Uh, he, he said, uh, Betty Vitavici. <laughs> he also Dr. said, Man, you, I'm not stuck in here with you. You're <laughs> stuck in here with me. I like beans. I like beans. I'm Dr. Manhattan over yeah. here. Yeah, that was pretty good. That All was right. pretty good what he said. So without further ado, before you, dear listener, dear fam, get unstuck in time yourself from hearing our horrible wind-up to this list, this top ten, this king of kings, tonight's results, let's get right into the best, worst, 2019 
Starting with category number one, not randomly selected. I'm sorry, because we've predetermined these ahead of time. Movies. Best worst movie of 2019. The best worst movie of 2019. We are going to pick... Between the two of us, we will both nominate a best movie. We will then duke it out. That becomes the best. Then we repeat the process for worst, and the whoever gets discarded, all, all three of the losers... Get strucken from the record. Now, I've taken a new tactic for this year's Best Worst. Okay. Uh, and it will become perhaps clear in, in that I'm making bigger moves. I've been a little conservative in the past. I think, yeah, I think uh, if the record stands, I think uh, you won the 2017 Best Worst. I won 2018 Best Worst. And so now it's, it's you know, if we're doing best two out of three, this is the year we got to throw it out. I got to come back. I got to come back swinging. It, the only thing that matters is the offseason. You know, anything can happen on the court, but the, the most important thing is preparation. And yeah. I'm prepared. And I, I wrote this list during my lunch break. I uh, actually have not written anything down. So oh. this is going to be super interesting. So, best worst movie, who would like to go... First, I will go first. Ah, and then... And then you will go. The battle begins. The battle shall begin. For the best movie of 2019, I posit it can only be one thing. There are a lot of strong contenders in this category. There are a lot of great movies, some of which just came out this past few months. Uh, Parasite and Knives Out and Cats... All really great, strong contenders. Great, great films. But I have to give the best movie of 2019 to a huge cinematic experience spanning the past decade. My contender for 2019 best movie is Avengers Endgame. So that did come out in 2019. It did. Interesting. Now, uh, before I... Do I need to double check? Because I'm pretty sure it did. I'm almost certain that it did. Uh, I am certain, as a matter of fact. Good. Uh, now, before I talk about yours, I will say what mine is. Alright. And like I said, I'm coming out swinging for movie. Because mine is actually a tie... With one being the actual talking point. So I'm submitting two. All right, but you're only going to defend To make one. a point. Okay. The best movie of 2019, huge cinematic achievement. <laughs> okay. The culmination of a year's worth of efforts. All right. So one movie. <laughs> a year's worth of efforts, not on the part of the filmmakers or the actors, but on the part of society. A uh, mythos. Okay. An ethos. I'm talking about, of course, Todd Phillips' Joker. Oh, okay. That's the one you want to defend. However. Oh, no, what's happening? Todd Phillips' Joker is being submitted to say that the movie that did everything the Joker did better and is... 100% in line with where we stand in the zeitgeist, in the culture conversation right now, and the movie I will defend my champion, oh. Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. This is a fight for the ages. Because on one hand, we've got super commercialized, super decades worth that is impossible to divorce from the movie itself to try to, like, warn it does it stand on its own. Because, of course, it doesn't. 
Yeah. It cannot stand on its own. Yeah. It, it is it is the bridge that is built by every brick that came before it. And yeah. on the other hand, we have a very phenomenal tour de force of cultural storytelling, of precise detail storytelling, of the plight of a family whose story unfolds before you without even having to be told. I don't know what to do with these two, John. I uh, I figured... I thought that your choice would either be the one you chose or Joker. Uh, oh, I would never choose Joker. Th- that's fair. Uh, but the reason why I bring up Joker as a jumping off point for Parasite is I feel like Parasite is the cultural conversation. If you can look at something like Todd Phillips' Joker, which I think is a work of staggering genius, but it's also pretty dumb. Yeah. I think that Todd Phillips' Joker is uh, pretty ham-fisted in what it's talking about. But even a, even a movie that is that silly, and once again, brilliant and great, and I very much like Joker, but even a movie that is that silly cannot escape the conversation of class consciousness we're having. Yeah. Because we are uh, like a young Stalin, <laughs> uh, slowly moving away from the religion of God and the religion of Marxism. We are starting to see society and history through the lens of class struggle. And even a movie like Joker that did not need that whatsoever is permeated in its entirety with a story of class struggle. And Parasite is a perfect distillation of the class struggle that we are dealing with right now. And it does it much more humanely than Joker does. Both sides are human, of course, until... Later, when you actually realize the the crimes that are being committed by the existence of people who live in opulence, the passive crimes that are being committed against people who were just born unlucky. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with you that it's a really interesting contender against something that is a multi This is a class war of movies. I know. Because yeah. on one hand, you have the empire that is Disney... And all of the tentacles that their media empire reaches into. And it is a very, I feel, important cultural moment. But at the end of the day, it's a superhero movie. It it does move me in ways that other movies don't. but Because it's been building and building and building since finally the catharsis, the mm-hmm. release... We are now free of these movies that have held us hostage. Yeah. Superhero movies are over. Or could be. If yeah. War is over. You, you could walk away if you so choose. Yeah. Uh, Parasite, however, did that in, like, all of that in three hours. Yes. <laughs> like, it, it hit the same emotional <laughs> peaks without any background information. It just, it, it just, just didn't take ten years to do it. It just didn't take ten years to do it. Yeah, and I think that it's it's something that's it's interesting because if you look at Endgame, uh, and if, this is a battle, but it's a it's a chivalrous battle in that I will defend my opponent. Endgame is a kind of movie that has maybe never existed and could maybe never exist again because it's a movie that is a the it's the product of a a kind of situation in media that has not existed before and may never exist again. Yeah. Because the... What's his name? Kevin, Kevin Feige? Feige. Yeah, the, the Kevin Feige-led uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies over that period of ten years is like one of the most artistically focused artistic movements 
that maybe has ever existed in the current generation or maybe even the last few generations. So Endgame existing is in itself a beautiful anomaly. Yeah. You can't have an Infinity War and an Endgame, I think, ever again. No. Because they're firsts. It's impossible. To do so, I think, will feel like cheap yeah. uh, imitations. Yeah, because you it's a world-class build-up to a world-class finish that you can't imitate. Yeah. Because it, they're the first ones to do it. It's funny, because the, the phase one of this whole experiment with Avengers felt like this is a one-of-a-time, one-of-a-kind movie can never be done again. Yeah. And they made another one. And it wasn't and it, it that. it didn't feel as special. It didn't It didn't have the same feelings. Then they made a third one, which was Infinity War. Yeah. And it was something new, because it had to be, because you couldn't do it again. Yeah, because it wasn't an Avengers sequel. Now, I will say, if we are judging... The best movie that deserves to remain in human canon. Avengers Endgame has a lot of casualties attached to it. We lost out on an Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie for the sake of the vision of what would eventually be Endgame. Mm -hmm. We lost out on a lot of uh, creative differences movies. We had to sit through Thor and Thor 2. Yeah. There's been a lot of hardship. In, in a way, to defend Endgame is to defend the existence of the previous ten years of Marvel movies. Which is difficult, because the previous ten years of Marvel movies is not without sin. Yeah. Like, in addition to, to what you're talking about, we also have, like, genuinely bad Marvel movies. Like, huge issues with, like, representation across these movies, across time. We're watching all the Iron Mans again. Yeah. Iron Man 2 is pretty gross. Iron Man 2 is bad. Yeah. Iron Man 3, I, I will defend with my life. But if we, if we like, sell Endgame as the culmination of all of these movies, there's significantly more blemishes than if you take Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, which is just a pure artistic work from a genius yes. that doesn't have any of that stuff attached to it. And for that reason, since we have to come <laughs> to a, 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 a conclusion, I will... Seed my point, and I think Parasite absolutely should be the best movie of 2019. And Endgame unfortunately gets forgotten. <laughs> and ten years of Marvel movie flushed history. down the drain, which I think is the real Joker's trick. <laughs> oh no, man! I hope uh, this is gonna be a hard one to sell, unless we're okay with continuing to talk about Marvel movies on the podcast. I mean. I think Marvel movies will still exist. We just can't talk about Endgame. Endgame yeah. is over. Endgame is over. Yeah. And in a way, that's for the best. Yeah. Because Endgame was it. I can't... See, we, we're, we can't... We can only remove the work. Mm -hmm. The feelings we have about the work will stay. So yeah. everyone who saw Endgame, mm -hmm. who took part in that cultural moment, they'll have their me memories of the feelings. They'll carry that with them going forward. But if there's there's no way to replicate it, why even let the original exist? Load the gun, shoot Endgame <laughs> in the face, and let's move on with our day. That's uh, that's fair. Go see Parasite. Parasite's great. It's Parasite is a difficult movie because since it does not build on anything else and is just itself and is very very easily spoiled. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't... There's no twist where, like, people are aliens. It's not secretly a horror movie. No, like, it's... And I... So many people thought it was a horror movie, but yeah. please, 
But it's not. It's a social commentary drama. It is a horror movie in that, at the end of the day, its subject matter is horrifying. True. But it's absolutely, if you're squeamish, go see Parasite. There's nothing in it that would really off-put you. It is just a... It's it's the cultural conversation distilled down into about two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. That's it. And to sing its praises a little bit more, I put it in a category of films that came out in the latter half of this year that I'm going to call detail-oriented storytelling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ready or not, Parasite and Knives Out all play with the realm of we're going to introduce you to you all of these details. And by the end of the movie, they will all come back in a very satisfying, bow-on-the-end, wrapped-up way. Yeah. Also, Watchmen, the television show, did this. It's Hitchcock television. It's it, Hitchcock yeah, movies. It, it's Hitchcock. It, it's it's so good in its composition. Go see Parasite. Go see Knives Out. Go watch Watchmen. Go watch Watch. Well, we'll get to that. But for 2019, our best movie, Parasite. But now... Unfortunately, Henry, I said I was coming out swinging... You don't realize what you've done. What did I do? It also means that Joker is the best movie of 2019. Well, you... This is a poison pill that I'm being forced to swallow. It was submitted in a rider. So Joker and Parasite are now the best film of 2019. Whatever. I don't... Joker was a movie. Yeah. It was a good movie. It was a movie. It was a good movie. It's over. We agreed that it was good. It's over now. We agreed... Okay, fine. You you say that, and yet you're pushing it on me (laughs) that I have to accept that it's a good... That it's one of the best... Whatever. Go see Parasite, Joker... We're moving on. Moving on. To the worst movie of 2019. Worst movie of 2019. This one... This was really easy for me to pick. Uh, this one was also very easy for me to pick, though I picked mine with a heavy heart. I picked mine with a full intention of making fun of it. So, who shall go first for worst? Uh, I say you go first, because I need to look up some facts about this movie. Uh, this is also going to be difficult, because I know for a fact that you have not seen this movie. I know you haven't seen mine either. So, my worst movie of 2019, and it's going to require uh, an... An Austin couch potatoes sized amount of couching. Okay. But my worst movie of 2019 is actually the recently released female-led remake of Black Christmas. That is not what I thought you were going to say. Oh, what did you think I was going to say? Well, I thought, well, recently released. Yeah. Female-led remake Charlie's Angels. Oh, have not seen. But that, that, I'm not <laughs> nominating. Be, I'm not it, nominating. That. It would be strange to say that a female-led remake of Charlie's Christmas Angels always ladies. Um, okay, so maybe I'm just dumb. Yeah, but also Black the original Christmas. Black Christmas was female-led, almost entirely female cast. What is Black Christmas? Black Christmas, the original, is a movie about a pervert psychopath who lives in the attic of a sorority house and slowly kills people and leaves them like and calls them and is like a weird pervert. What did the remake? Do the same thing? So I want to explain that everything that Black Christmas has to say, I agree with. Yeah. But I think that it does it in a way that really undercuts a cultural movement in a pretty significant way. Because essentially what they did was they took the original Black Christmas, and where it's like very perverse and gross... And they essentially made it a Me Too slasher movie. 
because the original Black Christmas is a crazy person lives in an attic and kills people. And I don't think you should judge a remake on how effectively it remakes the original material. Yeah. Because a remake is just a new work using the original work as inspiration, uh, which is what they did. But instead, the uh, actual villain of this Black Christmas is a long, dead, uh, kind of alchemist um crowley type alexander crowley Mr. alistair crowley Mr. this crowley type character who was the uh head of a hawthorne college but like a bust was removed there's a weird like echo through of like removing confederate monuments but he bleeds black tears and those black tears when rubbed on frat boys foreheads turn them into like real alpha male dickheads who are magic and like go out and kill people which is extremely on the nose the writing in this movie is also um really awful they really misuse carrie elwis's talent Carrie Elwes is in it? Carrie Elwes is in it as a... Oh, no. He, he is an English teacher who uh, wants to teach uh, old white male canon so badly that it leads him to lead a magic cult that kills and rapes women. Uh, it's... Why, it's, Carrie? It's very... The problem with it is I absolutely think what they're trying to do is the right thing, which is make a movie about common perceptions of like male female relationships in the wake of like me too believing survivors i think that's a really interesting cool thing to do for a horror movie but it's so on the nose you know that thing from the onion where it's like worst person you know makes a good point yeah it's kind of how i feel about this movie because it's it's a very bad movie it's never scary well, then uh, it fails as a horror movie. They 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 make a point to say the phrases, not all men. Oh, my God. It's it's just extremely on the nose, and the, mm. the writing's very poor. But I want to explain the largest reason why I don't like this movie is actually due to the Alamo Drafthouse. Oh, what happened? Because the Alamo Drafthouse uh, very cleverly cuts together reels to go before any of their movies. Yeah. And it included an interview with the screenwriter oh, for the no. movie and she's really cool and yeah. she she describes very well the original black christmas which i think the original black christmas is a phenomenal movie it's it pioneered american horror movies the original black christmas is massive in the in the cinematic sphere of horror movies slashers and it brought in a lot of elements from these italian movies called giallo movies and it focused more on style rather than like telling uh, like a it wanted to communicate a feeling more than it wanted to communicate a story. And this person they're interviewing is like the original Black Christmas was, was great, like name dropped all the Jalo movies it got influences from. But she said something that really bothered me in that she said we wanted to reimagine Black Christmas as you go back in time and you see these movies that are uh, made starring uh, people who are oppressed, minorities are oppressed in general, like women or people of color. And it would be interesting to make a movie where we imagine that that never happened. It's just purely made from that perspective, not with them not being oppressed. Right? But Black Christmas is totally reactionary. <laughs> it is completely reactionary. So and it, and you, it is... You failed at doing the thing you wanted to do? And it's a narrative that... 
only exists through the lens of of violence against women and female oppression. And it makes it really unpleasant to watch. I was really excited to watch this movie inspired by one of my favorite movies that was supposed to be like told from a female perspective. That was like totally not... It wasn't supposed to, based on this interview draw on any like societal tropes it's like this is just something from a female perspective but it's a purely reactionary movie Mm. which i totally agree with everything it had to say just not how it said it this is all the feelings i will ever express about black christmas i'm done oh well you have to defend it after this okay uh so my worst movie pick uh changed very very recently like within the week uh Initially, I was going to submit Arctic Dogs, uh, an animated film that... Oh, starring uh, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, that uh, opened up on more than 2,200 theaters and quickly became the biggest flop of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, A week ago, that record was broken. (laughs) Okay. By a little movie called, and uh, I don't know... Did you... Okay, so growing up, did you have Lego... I love Lego. All right, you had Lego. Did you ever have Playmobil? Oh, no. (laughs) I I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. um, Somebody thought it was a good idea to make the Playmobil movie. Oh, boy. It opened in about uh, 2,337 theaters in the U.S. and made... Sixty six hundred fifty six thousand five hundred dollars. Oh, that's a uh, very... less than like a little over half a million. Uh, that is very sad. Um, based on nothing more than the fact that one, no one knows the movie exists. Two, it it opened on two thousand two hundred and thirty-seven theaters, and three, it made less than a million dollars, which is budget. It's animated, so its budget is probably huge. Mm-hmm. That is my contender for the worst movie of twenty nineteen. Now, I think my benefit is that I've seen. Unless you have seen the Playmobil. No, movie. I haven't seen it. The Playmobil movie might be a work of staggering genius, much like Todd Phillips's twenty nineteen two thousand nineteen. I children. highly doubt it. But it may be. I guess there is a realm of possibility where that is true. However, the capitalistic system exists. Yeah, the, the invisible hand of the market. Uh, Henry? What's up? Playmobil movie wins. Alright, so... Because... You want Black Christmas to be struck for the record. Wait, hold on. Wait, they all get struck from the record. No, if we vote worst, that is the one that is stricken from the record. No, they, have, they all just get struck. Okay, they're all stricken. We have but, unlimited but bullets. If we're I... saying worst, we're fighting for which one is worst. Yeah, Playmobil. I agree the Playmobil is worst because... It has nothing interesting to say. Yes, and even though I had significant problems with Black Christmas, I do not want to attack small filmmakers, especially yeah. people who are doing something as ambitious as Black Christmas did... I don't like it, and I did not feel like it was ambitious or did the right things, but I yeah. also feel like it should exist. You clearly you clearly are passionate about what the movie is saying. The difference lies in you don't like how it was saying it, which means there's merit there. There is something yeah. to analyze. Yeah. You can analyze the composition of the film. There is value there. Mm-hmm. There is no value from the Playmobil movie because... No one had Playmobil. Uh, agreed. No one. 
And why would you have Playmobil when you could build Some, anything you wanted with Lego? Sometimes I would have the Playmobil bricks and I'd try to stick them together with the Legos and they'd just fall oh, out. And yeah. it infuriated me. Like, at worst, you have Duplo. You could maybe take a Playmobil brick and put it in, like, the middle of a Lego wall so it couldn't fall out, but yeah. still, like, rattled around. Oh. Fuck, Play, fuck Playmobil. Yeah. Fuck Duplo. And fuck the people who thought... We're going to make a movie. And also, you know, when I was driving away from Black Christmas with my girlfriend, she brought up a few things that the movie said that I hadn't considered. Because you know why? I don't have a female perspective. And no. I was like, that's probably worth something. Yeah. I mean... I don't want to be some white dude shitting on a movie that's supposed to be from a female perspective. By the way, she also hated it. Oh, but, but, but she's... Yeah. I, yeah. The Our enjoyment of it was not on, like, uh, the lines of our gender. Yeah. But... She caught things that I didn't, so probably it's important. So, Black Christmas stays, Playmobil, gone. Boom. And nothing of value was lost. And that leads us to our next category. Our second category, which is also predetermined, so... Is a Best Worst Video Game of 2019. Best Worst Video Game of 2019. Now, as you might remember from last year, and the same is held true of this year... Uh, video games released in the current year, not really a medium that I keep up with. However, I did play a few this year. I mean, you played one that, like, won two awards at the Game Awards, which was a total fucking waste of time. God damn. Yes, no. Uh, Jesus, I, I wasted hours of my life. So I learned recently that I don't, uh, play new video games and I don't read new books, but 2019 was a banner year in that I played a number of video games released in 2019. Yeah, banner year for video games. A lot of great releases. I didn't get to play all of them. Uh, so my, my I, of course, my best pick is based on my own experience. I'm not, I'm not going to do the thing where like, oh, they say it's good, must be good. No, no, I, this is a game I played and I'm still playing and I put close to 100 hours into. I'm just going to go first. Fire Emblem Three Houses is the oh, best Fire Emblem game to ever come out. It, it, it is a mixing of, of personal life, of social sim, of strategy RPG that makes you grow close to the characters, you care about their fate in battle, and you get really wrapped in one of the three stories that you pick. And there's so much replayability... Because you can just go back and pick another one of the routes. Mm -hmm. I've gone through one and three-fourths. I've played this game for hours. I have gotten lost in the day-to-day -day life of its systems. Fire Emblem Three Houses is the game of the year. So I have, like I said, 2019. I'm coming out swinging. I'm going to give you two video games. You... Bastard. One of which... Why do you keep doing this? <laughs> one of which I will use as a jumping off point to the one I will truly defend. <sighs> Disco Elysium. That's not the one you want to defend? Is a video game about being a cop in a strange European city. Detective. Detective. Cop. Detective. You're a policeman. Oh. You're a police detective. Okay. With the provincial police... Uh, Rovichol, Revichol. Uh, so I want to talk about Disco Elysium because it is a, a paragon of choice. Fantastic writing. It continues where Pillars of Eternity left off by having a video game that damn well might as be a text-based, might as well be a text-based adventure game. 
Uh, it is denser than the densest book, has so much choice, replayability, and once again, it is totally having the cultural conversation we are having right now. And this is, like, no joke. Yeah. Because you are not judged on your, like, light side or dark side points. You, as a matter of fact, in Disco Elysium, you choose largely along the lines of, do you want to be a fascist? Do you want to be a communist? Do you want to be a disco fanatic, or do you want to be apologetic? <laughs> wow. Uh, and of course, there there's a lot of permutations of those, and Disco Elysium does something that is genuinely so cool for a text-based adventure game, and the more often that you say a kind of thing, the more kinds of that kind of thing you can say or do. So, for example, you can say things that are increasingly like, anarchistic or communistic right and as that grows your your inner thoughts your inner feelings and of course there's a whole like thought cabinet thing where you can access distant memories for stat bonuses and changes to your character uh, but in disco elysium you can go down uh like an anarcho-communist route so far that you're like actually spray painting fuck the police on a wall and that stays in the world and is a whole character moment you can make choices that are just nuts you can make your person crazy and it has just so much choice and the writing is perfect which leads me to the game i will defend which is full of choice and the writing is perfect which is of course pokemon sword and shield <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> so, Pokemon Sword and Shield, it's having the cultural conversation that we're having right now in that I've tied it artificially to Disco Elysium, <laughs> and you cannot say that this is not the case. Uh, so, if you look at Pokemon Sword and Shield, it is uh, like the perfect rejuvenation of the Pokemon games of old on the most perfect... The, the video game system of the decade, the Nintendo Switch, the most perfect console out right now, the most perfect console sold within the last 10 years in its construction, its marketing, its aesthetics, and it, it's everything you want in a Pokemon game. You get to live a Pokemon journey with peerless music, pretty good writing... Wooloo, a great journey, some fantastic British slang, and of course, I can't repeat this enough, because I've tied it to a very thoughtful <laughs> video game about the cultural conversation, inexplicably, Pokemon Shield is also about class war. I don't think that's true at all. The but in within the lens of it is inexplicably tied to Disco Elysium, true. <laughs> The, the only important things Pokemon Sword and Shield have to say is there's a climate problem and we need to listen to the to the, the, the next generation for the solution. Yeah. Now, I have to say, you've beaten Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yeah. I've just beaten the pink lady. <laughs> oh, Elena? No, that's not her name. Uh, Opal. Opal. Miss Opal. That was a fun gym. Oh, did you like the quiz? The I, like, I like the quiz. I like it. Pokemon, it's fun. Pokemon Sword it's fun and Shield like has, Pokemon should be it fun. has a ton of charm. There is a feeling in video games I can never, that that will never be beaten for me, and that is going on a journey with the Pokemon that you catch and, and you train up along the way. They get stronger, you get better at battling, like, it is, it is a joy of just pure, no, it's a, a stillman of pure joy that, that every time I play a new Pokemon game, I am 
transported back to 1998 where I'm playing Pokemon Red for the first time. And it is so magical and pure. That being said, doesn't hold a fucking candle to Fire Emblem Three Houses. It's such a pure feeling to play a Pokemon game. There's a lot of problems with the Pokemon Sword and Shield game. Uh, only 400 Pokemon are available in it out of the 891 that exist. Pokemon Red and Blue only had 150. I've, but the point <laughs> this is... This is more than twice as many Pokemon. The biggest problem I have with Pokemon Sword and Shield is that no matter what I do, I have completed the Pokedex. I have n- I'm now in the cycle of, of hatching shiny Pokemon that are competitive... I will never battle competitively, but it's like a weird collection thing, I guess. Dracovish. No matter what I do, I will never be able to have Dragonite in that game. Dragonite is my favorite Pokemon, and therefore there's no way in hell that Pokemon Sword and Shield can win best 2019. If you had put up just Disco Elysium, I would be willing to talk to you, but you didn't. Damn it. Instead, Fire Emblem Three Houses is a really great game. It's very mature. Mm-hmm. It gets back to the roots of the of the of the series. Who'd where... you pick for your anime wife? Can you do anime wives in that? I picked Dorothea and one. But round. you're their teacher. But there's a time this skip. This game is not appropriate there's a for, time the current, skip. for the current moment. There's a five-year time skip. If I learned anything from watching Black Christmas, it's that Fire Emblem Three Houses cannot win. It gets back to the roots of Fire Emblem with teach it, that treats war as a mature subject mm-hmm. where your students actually kind of wrestle with the fact that they're committing, I guess not murder because it's war, but they are killing people. They're taking lives in a way that has not been seen in a Fire Emblem game for the past five years. Mm-hmm. Fire Emblem Three Houses is a phenomenal undertaking in the strategic RPG genre. And it shines forth beyond that genre as being a, a stellar example of what Nintendo can do. And Nintendo is the best company in video games, bar none. Now, I rest my case. I will admit... That my gambit has not paid off in that your hatred of Pokemon, (laughs) once again, and your love of anime wives. I love Pokemon, and I love anime wives. It's just, in this case, anime wives won. You should play Disco Elysium, though, but I am willing to give you Fire Emblem. Uh, Like I said, I came out swinging. Yeah. Big bets. Sometimes they pay off, sometimes they don't. I kind of, so like... I, we can't get into it. Um, I, I fully intend to play Disco Elysium. I'm waiting for it to go on sale because as a, I am cheap. As a person who likes the books you like, you would like Disco Elysium. I think I would love Disco Elysium. Alas, <laughs> I am not, and I, 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 I haven't had the opportunity to play it. But thank you for for seeding. Yeah. To me, Fire Emblem goes on in the canon. And sorry, I'll never get to play Disco Elysium, (laughs) and Pokemon is disintegrating before my eyes. A twofer, one bullet, super effective, (laughs) critical hit. What's effective against, uh... (sighs) Grass types. Wow, that's it's like it's like my my drunk uncle walked up to me at Thanksgiving and like saw I was playing Pokemon and did exactly that. Worst video game of 2019. The worst video game of 2019. Now like I said, 
You go first. All right. Well, see, this is a game I have not played, but uh, made a big splash when it came out. Uh, because the company that used to do these games pulled out. They they left. And so EA was forced to still release a game for some reason. I'm talking about WWE 2K20. <laughs> Interesting. It is not a full game. It is not a complete game. They released the best effort of a, of a like a C team trying to put together a game that used to exist. Mm. You would think in a yearly an annual sports franchise you would just build off the code that existed last year and improve upon it, update rosters, maybe update graphics. But WWE 2K20 is a complete downgrade in all aspects. The fighting doesn't work in a wrestling game. The graphics are worse than like WWE 1998. Yes. It looks bad. Mm -hmm. Nobody looks like they should. And wrestling is such like a... It's such a fan-driven sport that you would think you would try to get it right. And they didn't. And they released it anyway for a quick buck. This is the exact thing that should not be upheld in the video game industry. Should be admonished. Should be strucken from the record. But instead, it will live on in infamy as a warning to other companies to not make another WWE 2K20. So, like I said, big moves in 2019 for me. Come out swinging. Here we go. Yeah, two. Uh, yes, I do have two. Uh, one is uh, whatever that uh, cop fascist bootlicker, like Medal of Honor, or Call of Duty game, or whatever that came out. Uh, which uh, one? I don't know. It had the guy from the Punisher in it. Oh, that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's either that one or the one you said. Eh, the one you said wins. Well, oh, oh, I, I, I did not I, play enough video games in 2019. No, his face is, was on this article I was reading to see which uh, game was the worst. <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, he's a very good actor. He's a great actor. Good turn as the Punisher. We need to get away from this, let's put actors in video games for the sake of them being in the game kind yeah, of thing. Because let's be honest, let's video see. games suck, let's and we don't want to ruin an actor's career. I keep wanting to say it's Bobby Cannavale, but it's not. Well, let's leave it to the professionals. Hideo K Kojima can <laughs> yes. do it, and no one else. Hideo Kojima can put women in video games that he had crushes on, but then de-age them because he's a pervert, and no one else can do it. And, yeah, he can get French models and put them in skimpy clothing for the sake of cosplay or whatever, but yeah. uh, no one else can do it. Listen, if, if I was either of us had played Death Stranding, this would be a completely different conversation. Yeah, best game of 2019. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh... It's quap, but it's about how social media is killing us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, WWE. Oh, I super agree, because fuck the WWE. Oh, yeah, true. Don't give them money. They're an awful organization, and they make awful video games. I hope AEW goes with a different company for their eventual video game. Yes, they're going to go with uh, Ukes. <laughs> Makers of, uh, that's uh, some deep cut wrestling video game jokes for you. Okay. They're going to go with the people who went... Fire World Wrestling. Fire Pro Wrestling. Fire Pro Wrestling. 2D. Uh, yeah, that's video games, I guess. We need to move on to the next category, not randomly generated. It is Best Worst Television Show Ooh. for 2019. Television show. 
this is hard. There's a lot. There's a lot. There is some good TV in 2019. I did. There's a lot of very bad TV in there's, 2019. There's so much bad TV. So Television is an industry that doesn't innovate as much as it should. I will let you go first. Because this with is, the way that we are going back and forth, you will always do best and I will always do worst. Yes, uh, this is a show that we got into. We actually got into it last year, but a season came out this year, so I'm counting it. Um, this is a show that I did not expect to like as much as I wanted to. Like I thought I would like it because of the people involved. But it surprised me in how good it is. Because I didn't expect good drama to come from such comedy people. Mm -hmm. Which is a shame. Because, like, comedy people do good, great drama all the time. Bob Odenkirk is great as Better Call Saul. Steve Carell has showed us time and time again he can pull off a drama. I just, I didn't know Bill Hader had it in him. The season two of Barry is some of the best television I have ever ever seen it is phenomenal that they can put so much into a 30 minute episode they've got this phenomenal cast everyone even like the the downer scenes of people who are like i don't like the character Mm -hmm. but i will not deny that the the actress playing sally is doing a phenomenal job everyone brings their a-game Every episode kind of leads you with, like, what the fuck did I just watch? Barry Season 2 is the best show of 2019. The end. Uh, The future of television is 30 minutes. Yeah. The future of television is very much 30 minutes. Absolutely. Uh, So I, I do agree there. Now, like I said, 2019, I'm making big swings. So I'd like to... Is this just what you say in front of all of your little thingies? So I would like to pause it for best television show 2019. I don't know if you've heard of the strategy before, but I'm actually going to give you two (laughs) television shows. This is the last time you can do that because the rest are not prepared. I'm going to give you two television shows, one of which... I'm going to present the other which I'm the other one I'm going to defend and you won't know which one is which. So on your lunch break, you sat down and you decided <laughs> I'm going to break best worst. <laughs> I'm uh yes. Now like I said big moves. Sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. Uh but something that has been haunting me for the last 4 years is that Any listener of this podcast knows that I'm very particular about certain things. I have very deep-seated loves for certain properties. And even going into a season where the most recent iteration of one of these things I love is airing to the general public on the night of this recording, Mm. I'm very pessimistic. I feel sick to my stomach. But in this darkness, there is a light. There is something that harkens back to my childhood, to practical effects, to serial westerns, and that is, of course, Disney Plus's The Mandalorian, which is Star Wars through and through. I fully love it. It permeates the culture so fully that we now have the traffic signs in Austin that say, Baby Yoda has a car seat, a car seat be safe, he will. Baby Yoda's all over the place. The Mandalorian is a... It's a genuinely good show that reminds us of the beauty of television, which is making us feel like we're at the movies. 
Which leads me, of course, to the show that I'm actually defending. Don't say the mass singer. I think you should leave. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, man! The beauty of television, I think oh. you should leave, in that it revitalizes the sketch comedy genre because there has not been a funny sketch show in more than ten years. Do not at me. Oh. Tim Robinson is a genius and has made some of the most quotable, memorable sketches, hearkening back to, like, Kids in the Hall and SCTV and UCB. I have not been this excited about a sketch show in a long, long, long time. And yes, I'd say maybe 30 to 40% of the sketches aren't, like, great. Yeah, but... But the ones that land, land on a level that you never see things land in comedy because they're truly, truly new. Tim Robinson, with his glassy-eyed stare, sells an idea like nobody's business. And that is why I think you should leave, and The Mandalorian (laughs) are my top TV shows for 2019. I routinely will load up Netflix to just watch one sketch. Yes. Lady Luck. <laughs> Lady Luck. Though that Lady is, yeah. Luck is so phenomenally <laughs> done. They they went to the nines. Tim Robinson, who was a writer on SNL. Yes. And appeared in a couple of skits, but he was a writer on SNL. Mm-hmm. His delivery is so Perfect. He he has a a bewildered, bug-eyed, alienating, and alienated stare that is, uh, but he's so unimitatable. Perfectly, perfectly encapsulates the character in the Lady Luck sketch, and it the, like the turn in that sketch happens on a dime, and it is just perfect. Oh, and then the the recording booth one. The recording booth one. Uh, the receipt one. Oh, the receipt one's pretty the great. The receipt one. Tommy Tuggers. One of my favorites. Oh, Lee Harvey Jarvis and the Baby Contest. Yeah, yeah. M- my favorite one, he's not even in, but it's the Instagram one with Vanessa Bear. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Probably the most famous one. I will watch that to yeah. death. So perfect. Uh, but, you know, the, the car ideas sketch. Yeah, yeah. The the hot dog guy who crashes <laughs> so many of these. It, oh, the, the, the oh, oh, oh. Okay, the one in the in the Mexican restaurant where he's yeah. on a date. <laughs> you can't eat all you the can't fully eat all loaded, 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 loaded uh, You can't eat. You can't eat all the fully loaded chips. Oh, you know the ones with the cheese. I and the hate you, because John. You are a monster. The reason why I think you should leave is the best sketch comedy shows because we mention these things to each other and this might be insufferable to listen to if you've not watched the show. You need but to. But when, when you hear a thing about a sketch, you immediately remember the sketch not as a, like a sequence of events, but you remember so clearly what its idea was, what the mechanisms of the sketch are because a truly successful sketch is an idea that actuates on one thing. Yeah. Because it, it turns something that's normal or turn something wrote into something that's bizarre in a way that we find deeply, deeply funny. The viral video, Bozo dubbed over. (laughs) That was so stupid. This has one one view and it was uploaded at 328. It's Bozo dubbed over. Yeah, it must be one of those viral videos. It's so good. 
I have fought <laughs> many hard battles in my life, and Endgame has died. But I'll listen. But I will not let Barry season two die. But I also well, this could okay. Listen, Ronnie Lilly, one of the best episodes of television. John, for the sake of not being here all night, I propose to you a, a first and best worst history. A tie. Between I Think You Should Leave Slash The Mandalorian. <laughs> and Barry Season 2. This is a first. Because they are both equally great for their own different reasons. I don't know why you tacked the goddamn Mandalorian <laughs> on so I think you should leave. You keep sneaking these poison pills <laughs> into your referendums. Let me tell you I why. I think you should leave is perfect, but Barry season two is so good. Like, I we we are entering an age where network television will not be able to keep up, and it's because of things like Barry, mm-hmm. and it's because of things like Watchmen, HBO television. It's not TV; it's HBO. Whatever their shows are knocking it out of the park. Netflix is doing a decent job. Amazon Prime has some great shows. We're getting to an age where whatever television is doing won't cut it anymore. Yeah. But it's because of Barry. It's not because of I Think You Should Leave. That's fair. Now, I I want to accept the tie. Because I cannot in good conscience fight for the death of Barry. Uh, because Barry is a show that I actually watched Barry, the first season of Barry, and I think you should leave pretty much contemporaneously. Yes. Yeah. I think you should leave was released around the time I started watching Barry, and both of them filled me with such unbridled joy that I think both of them were the most fun I had watching television all year. Yes. So I accept your tie. All right. The- Funny that. They're both Saturday Night Live alums from the same era. Yeah, and The Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal (laughs) might have been on Saturday Night Live, I don't know. Uh, You know who definitely was probably on Saturday Night Live? Bill Burr. I really... I've never been a fan of his comedy. Me either. But as a person... Man, he fills me with such joy and warmth because he will call his agent and be like, I need to be a part of this. Yeah, he's like, this show's good. Put me in Breaking Bad. I beg (laughs) to be. And I I, I honestly think he did the same thing with The Mandalorian. He's like, put me in this. He's like, you seen this baby Yoda? Well, no, because all of the, I think all of them are made already, right? Yeah, they were made before. But no, he he caught wind of it and he was just like, Jon Favreau, based on a, a Mandalorian, put me in this. Yeah. I, I think that's the case. But Bill no, Burr I, as a person, I will would 100% sit down and have a conversation with. His comedy might not be for me. I will say that I think you should leave and Barry represent the best in television. And I'm totally comfortable saying they're the best TV of 2019. Yeah. So to all the people who watch Watchmen, uh, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. I watched all of Watchmen. It is decent. I've heard it's good. It is... Okay, I... I, I we can't talk about it. I will. So I'll sum it up in one sentence. It tells a very important story. That important story might have should have been divorced from the comic book material that it used to tell the story. The Wall, Black Wall Street, the Tulsa 
massacre that happened absolutely should be like a story based on that should be told in the modern day because a lot of people have never heard of it. Yeah. And what they did with that was phenomenal. But then you brought in Dr. Manhattan and it got weird. I mean, uh, it's interesting to tack all that stuff onto Watchmen because Watchmen, at its heart, was a relatively simple book about how superheroes are fascists. Yeah. And how authority figures can succumb to fascism easily and the evils of fascism. It's weird we live in a time period where Amazon Prime's The Boys is telling a very similar story to Alan Alan Moore's Watchmen and the literal sequel to Watchmen is not. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Uh, but that's it. That's best TV. Oh, and I gotta, we gotta name a worst TV. Worst TV. This I'll is, go first. Please. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pick one. Uh. We're not even halfway through the list and you're on your third Primus. That's a long podcast. It is a long prod, prod, prodcast. Uh, this will give me time to sober up. Uh, now. Oh, wait, I fucking know. God damn, I know. Jesus fucking Christ, I know. I, big moves in 2019. Jesus, I want to shoot myself for forgetting this. I knew this. Let me tell you what the be- the worst TV of 2019 is. Now, it's the... Uh, now, it's... All right, worst. You go first. I don't know that you've seen it. But it's more a spiritual, idealistic worst. I say that the worst television of 2019 is... A- as a matter of fact, the Imagineering story on Disney Plus. Oh no, I have not seen this. Uh, I say that the Imagineering story is the worst television of 2019 because it does tell an interesting, compelling, multifaceted story about the engineering workshops at Disney, about Wed, about how all the Disney parks were made. However, it does Disney wash history. Uh, it, it shows Walt Disney as this, like, messianic figure who has no bad ideas. Uh, it describes, in short, their, like, financial troubles, but it makes all pretty family-friendly. Uh, but then, like, uh, all the Eisner stuff, they treat him as, like, kind of eccentric, even though he was, like, a huge misogynistic douchebag who had a ton of bad ideas and was just kind of vile in a ton of his ideas. What, what was it like the great movie ride he yeah. he wanted to turn into like this weird kind of sexist racist like uh kind of political cartoon uh eisner is res- for the for the fans eisner is responsible for all the direct to video sequels to all your favorite movies yes he is that asshole Eisner wanted to turn Disney into, like, this weird action thing. He was totally out of touch. He would just listen to what his shithead teenage son would say. and be like, that's what the kids want. Um, he was very dumb. Uh, but they they do tell the story about, like, how they, ma- how they made all these rides. I think it's an interesting watch, but it comes off too much as uh, mass market corporate propaganda. And staring down the barrel of something that I'm already uncomfortable with, which is a Disney Plus subscription... Which, a Disney Plus subscription has done me a lot of good and has enriched my life culturally, but I'm also directly giving money to the single greatest threat to American artistic integrity, which is the Disney Corporation. So seeing Disney propaganda on the thing that I'm already remiss to even have a subscription to really freaks me out. It makes me feel like we are eventually going to live in a world where, like, this uh, this propaganda for large corporations is taken as truth, and these stories about how the leaders of Disney were, like, 
flawed, racist, misogynistic people with bad ideas who are pulled from the brink by very smart, uh, underpaid, underappreciated engineers and artistic minds. If that's the case and we end up with like a weird great leader mentality for Walt Disney, I'm not comfortable with that future. And that's why I think it's the worst television of 2019. I get 100% where you're coming from because Disney is, of course, the company that twice now has rewritten copyright law so that the mouse doesn't fall into the wrong hands. However, how soon you forget, John. Uh, how soon you forget no! the most heinous. I already know it. Acts of storytelling to ever goddamn come across the small home screen. Let me just tell you, she didn't see the ships. <laughs> She didn't think they'd be there. I fucking hate. I don't use that word. I don't use hate because there was a there was a version of me, a younger version of me, that hated way too hard, way too fast, and got into some, some hot water. I absolutely goddamn motherfucking hate the last season of Game of Thrones. And D&D, what's his, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff, Yeah, I will never fucking see another goddamn thing by you two again. The last season of Game of Thrones shat all over the, the good four to five seasons you had. And totally just sort of like threw away the two seasons you 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 cobbled together to pull off the hoodwink that was, yeah, we could handle Game of Thrones. You can't handle a goddamn thing. That happened in 2019, huh? Yeah. Now I remember I actually watched all of these episodes live at a Same. friend's house in, yeah. a, in a party setting. And I remember actually watching the finale amongst friends and feeling the palpable spiritual wound inflicted on me, a fan of the Game of Thrones books, alongside a few of the people at this group, but also fans of the TV show, or just bystanders enjoying culture. And I felt everyone's energy leave their bodies as they realized that what they were watching was actually happening. It is amazing that two seemingly competent people were given the reins to the most popular pop culture thing in history, Game of Thrones. This was Game of Thrones! And they threw it away for nothing. Yeah. To, to wash their hands of it for projects that they would later walk away from in quotes and more likely were pulled off of. Yeah. I, uh, yours wins. Uh, because if, if we look at the imaginary story, it's a shadow of a giant that we all see coming. Yeah. The imaginary story is, it's an after image, but we all know what the enemy is. We all know what the stakes are. Uh, so it's, it's fairly obvious. I mean, uh, David Mitchell already wrote in Cloud Atlas that movies were called Disney's, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that, so, and that was written a couple of years ago. But he also said the phones would be called Sony's. Well, maybe, I mean, Google wasn't in the game yet. Yeah. No, 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 I get it. 
Um, probably the chapter that ages the worst. Probably. But it's very good. Uh, but no, yours wins because I actually felt as though that hurt people. Whereas like, the imaginary story is the shadow of a giant that is killing thousands. Yeah. But the giant is not a television show. The giant is a very real pressing problem. Whereas the finale of Game of Thrones is, uh, I... It's not an affront to art. It's just art, but it's bad art, and yeah. it's bad art that hurts people's hearts. So it's no good. It's one of those things where, you know, it's like when you break up with someone you've been in a long-term relationship with, and your friends are like, hey, man, it's okay if you're feeling bad, and you're kind of like, no, 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 I'm doing all right. Just now, I, I, I've been reminded about how much my heart was broken yeah. by the finale of Game of Thrones, <laughs> Like, I watched it and kind of was, like, a a disassociative identity thing where, like, this is happening to someone else. Yeah, I felt, but when when it was happening, when they were deciding who would be, it's fine, I don't want to spoil anything, but when it was being decided, I felt real pain. I felt the people around me in pain. It, It... Ever there was a moment where art created pain, it was then. Yeah. And I, I'm happy you agree with me. That is the worst television of 2019. No, only the the worst thing that could... The only thing they could do that was worse is just totally capitulate to fan demands and make a, make a movie, I mean a television show, that just walks back everything that had happened previously and is just a real wet fart. That would be a real crime to end a thing people care about on. Yeah. Yeah. But thank God on today, the release of The Rise of Skywalker, that that's not happening. Uh, I I am avoiding... I'm avoiding all of the reviews, although I have seen a headline suddenly that's like, maybe The Last Jedi wasn't that bad. It's like, oh, now you come out and say that, you pieces of shit. Uh, a lot of people are having that moment. Right. Uh, I'm just saying you're going to see it before I do. Uh, brace for impact, motherfucker. Um, I still get goosebumps. Star Wars does something to me that I can't explain. Oh, and it, 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 it's just purely from a voyeur sort of uh, point of view where it's like, I don't care if it's good or bad, it's Star Wars and it makes me feel happy. When I watched the trailer for uh, Episode Nine, I tears come to my eyes every time because it's the thing I love most coming to an end and it's beautiful. Uh Phantom Menace. I'll watch Phantom Menace knowing it's a truly awful movie. Yeah. And I'll enjoy it because it's Star Wars. Watch the fan edit. I'm just, it's the thing with Star Wars is you can watch any Star Wars and enjoy it and it's a bad movie. The thing, the thing about Phantom Menace is I know it leads to, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Like, I know that. And Revenge of the Sith is good. Yeah. I, it's, it's a hard thing to say because hear me out and we'll cease talking about Star Wars for the remainder of this episode, but Star Wars is a series that has existed for 42 years, totally understanding that half of everything really Star Wars wise is just bad. Yeah. How does it exist? I don't know. They can't all be winners. Too weird to live. Yeah. Too, what is it? To die. I don't know. Anyway, we've gotten through three. We've gotten through three of... We promised ten. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is going to be really long. We have to go fast with these right. last ones. And what's I, good I is... have no time constraint, but I know you work tomorrow. Well, I don't care. 
I don't care about my job. All right, best and worst job. <laughs> but uh, the the next few things we ha- don't have prepared, so we'll probably we're not we're not as entrenched in our beliefs about them. Uh, and so this is going to be a mix of submitted by fans, brainstormed by a think tank, uh, generated by Malkovian computer chain. We actually went to uh, PERI, the the think tank that tries to figure out how much health insurance should charge people for medication. Uh, and that's where we get these from. How can... I, oh my, can we not talk about health justice? All right, so... We're both on the same page. John is holding in his hands a number generator, generating a number between 1 and 40. I am holding a numbered list of categories. We are going to do whatever category number that John's phone generates. Let's go. So the first number I generated... Don't call me out on this because it truly did, even though it's my favorite number. 24. How would I know that that's your favorite number? It's Marshawn Lynch's jersey number. Weird that you mention him because 24, (laughs) no lie, and I'll show you, is sports moment. Okay. (laughs) Favorite sports moment. Best worst sports moment of 2019. Now, I was secretly hoping this would not come up. (laughs) Uh, You watch a lot of sports, right? Uh, I I am familiar with most sports. I will say that the best sports moment, bar none, 2019, and you can start Googling now, the Women's World Cup. Oh. Goes without saying, Megan Rapinoe. Megan Rapinoe. Alex. Alex. Alex Jones? Oh, no, the other person on the Women's World Cup. I totally forgot her last name. I know. This is this is kind of funny. This shows the intention that America has for women's sports. Um, the other one, Hope Solo. Hope Solo. Hope Solo. How can you forget that name? She's the goalie. She is. <laughs> she's, wait, she's their only hope. Hope Solo. Holy fuck. <laughs> the rise of Skywalker. So yeah, I, best, best sports moment of 2019 absolutely was the Women's World Cup. The American team... Uh, their drive all the way to the finals. I think they won. Did they win? Tell me. They yeah, won. They, they won. Yeah, they won. That's gotta be... How did you not know? John, it's been a fucking... This year has lasted a lifetime. That's and this fair. was back in July. That's fair. But yeah, Megan Rapinoe, Alex, Hope Solo, uh-huh. Women's World Cup, Women's National Team, Best Sports Moment of 2019... I'm just going to keep saying words until you start talking. Oh, you want me to give you my best moment? Sports moment. Best sports moment? Uh, let me tell you. <sighs> Man, I even have a worst already prepared. This is sad. Now, the best sports moment... I try not to get too political. But you might remember a few months ago, uh, our dear impeached president... Made waves in the in the sports world because he couldn't go to a sports event without being booed. Oh, this was pretty great. Like yeah, the he... Washington Nationals where he got booed. And then he went to another thing. Yes, he went to an MMA event yeah. in Detroit. And got uh, booed. And then, unfortunately, he went to like the Auburn-LSU game or something. But back up. Yeah. He went to the... The, the MMA game is fascinating. Everyone close to the ring, everyone that got the good seats, cheered. Everyone in the normal people seats booed Donald Trump. There oh, was, man. This, this is speaking... There, there is a... Once again, speaking to the conversation we're having with Class War, 
Uh, there are there are two perspectives. There is a video taken in the expensive seats where people cheer. There is a video taken in the cheap seats where people boo. Man, perspective is a wild thing. On that night, with Trump in attendance, an extremely skilled MMA fighter named Kevin Lee knocked out. I couldn't find his name, but his last name's Gillespie. He's an he was at the time an undefeated thirteen zero uh, vocal Trump supporter. Oh, wow. Kevin Lee knocked his ass out with a roundhouse kick to the chin. Ooh, kicks always knock people out. Uh, Especially to the head. But Kevin Lee knocked him out. Kevin Lee, by the way, rules. Very skilled, cool guy. Uh, However, after the knockout, in typical MMA fighter fashion, he took to Instagram and Twitter, and he posted a picture of the knockout. Yeah. Uh, And typically speaking... Uh, a an MMA fighter will be like, ah, oh, good fight, or I beat you, you're weak. Depending on their whole thing. The only thing that Kevin Lee tweeted with a picture of the knocked out Gillespie was, Bernie Sanders, you bastards. <laughs> Kevin Lee, a man of color, oh, standing man. over the prone, unconscious <laughs> body of a white Trump supporter Gillespie tweeting Bernie Sanders you bastards that's pretty great it's a very good moment with Trump in attendance yeah tremendous man what a night for now impeached President (laughs) Trump uh so which one do we think is the best sports moment of 2019 well speaking as a person who wants to support women because women are great and are equal because we're all goddamn humans I have to back the women's U.S. national team winning the World Cup is a huge fucking deal. I, the U.S. women's national team, the national women's U.S. team, the national U.S. women's team, the national team, the national team women's U.S. U.S. W.N.T. U.S. women's national team. There you go. Uh, their win, exceptional. Yeah. Especially considering the fact that uh, Megan Rapinoe, Hope Solo, and the rest. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Alex something. Uh, I feel real bad. Because I, I had their names Alex. tattooed on my brain while it was happening. I know, this is a sad their, thing about the cultural win, consciousness. Their win is huge. Yeah. And it is huge in the same way Kevin Lee's win is huge. In that it, it stood for something greater than a victory in a sporting event. Yeah. Well, remember when it was happening, uh, famous UK asshole Pierce Morgan was like, oh, the US women need to shut the fuck up and play the game. And then, like, they destroyed the UK team. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, that's the moment I hold on to because it's the moment where it's like, shut the fuck up and let us play. They blew the roof off of their house. They just want to play the game and they played the best game they could and they won because they are great. And people attacked Megan Rapinoe for being uh, number one for saying what she said but the thing that people at a certain side of the political spectrum tend to do is that when they identify that someone is their class enemy uh, they'll take any opportunity to take them down as being like braggadocious or elitist or better than you. And Megan Rapinoe didn't give a shit. Yeah, why would she? So, what I'll say about Kevin Lee is that Kevin Lee's achievement is... It's cool. It's in a niche sport, though. I love MMA. MMA is probably my favorite sport. I know more about MMA than I do about almost all other sports, but I know that it's niche. I get afraid for the fighters because they're actually like... 
Oh yeah, brain damage city. They're baby. actually fighting. Like you watch is... football, same thing. Well, Will Smith solved that. <laughs> tell the tell the truth. Tell the truth. Uh, tell the truth. You know the but. MMA is a niche sport. It is very cool that he tweeted, Bernie Sanders, you bastards. It's very cool. Yeah. Maybe, if our listeners are listening, the coolest thing to do is to knock out a racist. So, he did the coolest thing you can do, which is knock out a racist. Look, However. Okay. I've got rebuttals in my head. Megan Rapinoe went to where Pierce Morgan worked and knocked the racist broom out of his hand. Yeah. Uh, which is a much bigger accomplishment on a much larger stage. So I think that the Kevin Lee thing is small, notable, and cool. But I feel like the women, the U.S. Women's national team. The U.S. women's national team, their their victory in the World Cup uh, is much greater in its impact. And so fun to watch. Yeah. They did a great job. They made I, it look good. I'm not going to lie to you. Football is more fun to watch than MMA. <laughs> MMA, yes, you I, might get a good match. MMA tends to be pretty boring and visceral and awful. But it's the grappling that I can't get behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you go to the ground. There's a whole ground and pound thing. Yeah. Uh, you're, man, your ground game is unstoppable. Uh, but if someone gets behind you... Ooh. Knocked out. That's where that's where they get you. But no, that's it. I I concede. I think that the U.S. women's... Fuck. The U.S. women's national team, their victory... You keep not messing up and then going like, fuck. And then, because I keep thinking it's the women's U.S. national team. But that's no. what it is. It's the women's U.S. national team. It's the U.S. women's national team. Oh, I put women in front of U.S. Never put women before the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> country before oh no okay we're not ending that sentence yeah no yeah what oh, i could do uh turn a phrase yeah you could do much worse let's move on i'm not gonna say it all out my friend you win worst sporting moment of 2019 i've got one in mind uh-huh do you I don't know, did the Patriots win at any point? Oh, probably. Belichick is a fucking piece of shit. And the Patriots are just full of, like, uh, big Trump-supporting androids. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at this point it's all but confirmed that Tom Brady is a robot. Did you see uh, Living With Myself? No. There's a pretty good Tom Brady joke in there that he... Oh, no, I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Actually, it happened so quickly that I was like, was that Tom Brady? Uh, I don't really have a worse sporting moment of 2019. Do you want me to go first while you look up something? Yes, please. All right, so a while ago, the general manager of the Rockets, this is an NBA team, I think they're called the Rockets, he made some anti-China tweets. Actually, that that wasn't even it. He just supported, Mm. in support of Hong Kong, he tweeted out support of Hong Kong, he was the general manager of the Rockets, and all of a sudden... It became a thing that, like, the NBA was like, no, 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 no. We love China. Mm. Because they wanted that money. Like, this happened on a smaller scale with, like, esports between Blizzard and Hearthstone and and that. But this, this was the national scale because it was the NBA. That's got get the, the NBA defending China. 
has got to be the worst sports moment of 2019 because tyranny should never be defended for the sake of cash flow. Uh, I was going to use the esports one. Uh, Oh, my bad. You make a good point. Well, Uh, well, it's the same thing. So I think collectively we can say sports defending... A second tie. (laughs) Well, it's not only a tie. It's just we're... we're Oh, if we say the same thing. We're saying the same thing. Like sports defending... The tyrannical rule of the China regime. Which, I don't think we said this in a previous episode, but the Hong Kong protests, which were the the catalyst of all of this, did we ever disclose what those were about? I don't think that we did. What? It's democracy. Uh, the, The inciting incident was the ability for the mainland Chinese government to... Uh, what's the word? Extradite people from Hong Kong for trial in mainland China, which for China well, to be been a fair trial for China to be able to extradite people from Hong Kong to China would essentially be a death sentence. Yeah, if China had the ability to do that, they would have carte blanche to essentially sentence to death or lifetime imprisonment in essentially internment camp almost any dissident from Hong Kong. For, like, a comparison, that would be, like, if North Korea could extradite people from South Korea. Yes. Like, like Yeah, no. If, if, if a dictatorship could extradite people from a democracy, the dictatorship is going to dictate the people who are supposed to be free. Yeah, and, and I think uh, a lot of the confusion came from the idea that China would have to make a compelling case... That the person in Hong Kong committed crimes against China, but uh, China has made a compelling case that people have committed crimes against China for people who demonstrably haven't in the hundreds for decades. Yeah, I mean, this is a a regime that actively censors the internet. It wouldn't take much for them to be like, crimes against China... You, you bought milk at the store, you get to die. I mean, the, the, uh, we're no longer with, we're no longer in custody on the mainland. So I think it's fair to say that the Chinese government is, uh, is, uh, a fascist state that, uh, kills people on a whim. Yeah. And probably deserves, uh, more examination than it's getting. But of course, we live in a world controlled by capital. China has the capital. Let's make more Iron Man 3s. That's honestly what it is. Yeah. Let's put in... uh, South Park made fun of this. Let's put in weird Chinese scenes. Not weird Chinese scenes. But let's put in scenes in our Western media to placate to China for the sake of getting cash flow. It's almost... And that's the worst moment. Like, placating tyrants, placating dictators... That's how World War Two became it, so bad. It's almost as though... Appeasement never works. It's almost as though if you take a system dictated by capital that rejects the Playmobil movie, <laughs> that if you take a system dictated entirely by capital, it will, by its very nature, favor fascists. Yeah. Crazy how that works. Crazy. So that's the worst sports moment of 2019. We need... To move on to the next category, randomly generated by John's phone. Random number. I actually, it closed out of it when I looked well, up. Well, yeah, I, I realized you were using Google for your random number thing, and you also needed to look up stuff. Oh. I've got a number for you. All right. Two. Oh. <laughs> Best worst joke from zero credits. 
Best worst joke from zero credits. Okay, I've actually got a worst. Oh, good. I've got hopefully a best. Do I have a best from zero credits? I'm going to posit a best. So I'll, I'll go ahead. You start thinking. My best joke from 2019. 2019 was a, 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 a banner year for zero credits. We had a number of firsts. We had our first remote guest and Jeff. Mm-hmm. And we had a really good joke come out of Jeff. Jeff is my good friend. He stood in my wedding. Uh, I love Jeff. But the best joke Zero Credits has is that we actively wish for the death of Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. We want bad things to happen to him solely because he does not listen to the social media plugs. He yeah. misses out on a good 5% of the jokes we do mm-hmm. because as soon as we start plugging our social media, he tunes out. That's the best joke we did in 2019. Runner up. Maybe I'll throw it to you. Uh, so my best joke of 2019 zero credits is the pink ping pong ball story. That was in 2018. Was it? Yeah. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Because I remember I remember, remember that specifically because... Wait, were we in your apartment? Well, we no, were in your apartment for a little bit of 2019. No, we weren't. Have you lived here for a full year? I moved in in January. Disgusting. But I remember specifically why. Because there was a joke category in Best Worst 2019. Oh, no. The ping ping pong joke. No. What a shame. Can I I give you one? Uh, Wait. Wait. Hold on. Yeah. Wait. Oh. The Joker. Wait. Shh. Just shut up. Uh, so my uh, my best is actually a uh, throwaway joke that I I think we might have said off air with Jeff. Oh yeah, uh, which is the Pizza Gator. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, you have to give full context we, to our fans we, and also me. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about people who believe in the pervasive Pizzagate conspiracy, yeah. and someone referred to them as Pizza Gators, and I said not to be confused. With the uh, failed 90s mascot for a pizza restaurant, the Pizza Gator. <laughs> uh, which is uh, something that I still stand by as a funny joke. And gets less funny as Pizzagate moves out of the zeitgeist. Yeah. Uh, rightfully so. Uh, because yeah, because it was a fucking... Pizzagate should not be a thing. You want to talk about a nothing burger. But no, I, I think it was especially funny because Jeff tried to do something, which, God bless Jeff. Uh, Jeff tried. It's really good. Jeff tried to call the Pizza Gator back into life. He's like, "Oh, now that we're recording, let's like talk about the Pizza." Gator. I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." What happens to the pre-roll is never in the show. Yeah, which is funny <laughs> that you're nominating it now yes. for a best joke of zero credits in 2019. I just remembered it. it it's the one joke yeah. I remembered. You don't remember the Joker. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll talk about that. That was my runner-up with the Joker. We'll talk about that. So which one wins? So death threats to Jeff versus Pizza Gator. Both oddly Jeff specific. Jeff was a really big influence on us in 2019. Yeah, he guest starred twice. 2019 is the year of the Jeff. Yeah, but well, like once without you and once with you. Mm-hmm. Jeff is Jeff's a good guy. I like Jeff. Jeff's a good and guy. I don't want him to die. So you so, win. Oh, Pizza Gator wins? If I could use a gun to erase all of the death threats I've ever given to my good friend Jeff, 
I would be remiss if I did not use this opportunity to do so. If I had a gun that could erase anything from existence, it would be Jeff. Uh, no! <laughs> Jeff's my good friend! Now, uh, worst jokes of 2019. You go first, so I gotta think of one. Uh, mine's gonna I be real one. quick because I immediately know it. It's that time we had the Joker on the podcast. <laughs> uh, we brought in the Joker. So here's... I want to lay out a hypothetical for the audience. It was if, our biggest get. If someone... Now, what we know actually happened, and what did actually happen, was we had the character of the Joker and the person who is the Joker on the podcast. But if someone who uh, was like two IPAs in and was like a really fun bit without having planned it would be to have the Joker on the podcast without totally understanding, number one, the conversation people are having about the Joker or really what's going on culturally uh, with the Joker, if they had decided to uh, commit pretty hard to that character uh, and then realize it's a bad idea and then just kind of answer questions until there was a way out of the bit, that would be the worst Joker. <laughs> this hypothetical scenario. Because all we know is that the Joker came on the podcast and said what he said. Yeah. And I'll but s- if that had happened... See, this is this is a cautionary tale about listening to the media before you <laughs> yourself has experienced yeah. what they're talking about. I also feel like his laugh was like... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'd say maybe before seeing it, you wouldn't make a laugh noise. And then after seeing it, you go... <laughs> oh, that's just... That's not okay. That would be more of a Joker laugh than whatever this hypothetical situation was. <laughs> and of course, my entry for the worst joke of zero credits. Oh, for sorry, I thought it was the worst Joker. <laughs> the worst joke. Yeah, the worst joke. We often bring up the fact that. Zack Schneider directed a movie called Batman vs. Superman. Yes. Dawn of Justice. Uh-huh. Where the Lex Luthor character depicted by Jesse Eisenberg. And we always have... We have, we have to censor it. Because the joke that Zero Credits tells is that maybe Lex Luthor had a good idea... <laughs> When he... Now is the supposition then that it's the worst joke because he should have... It's the worst (laughs) joke because no matter what the context is, for reasons of personal safety, we have to censor it. There's no context for what we're talking about. Yeah. Because even in talking about it, right now... Our our duty as as law abiding citizens is to censor it. Yeah, we can't really talk about the fact that we have repeatedly, jokingly, uh, encouraged the act of, and even just then, we had to censor it. So even now, when we're voting for. The worst joke of 2019, we can't even mention the fact that we kind of believe that would be a good thing and that the government needs to be 
in favor of a new system that's but perhaps in like a weird kind of maybe parliament thing and it doesn't matter what I'm saying right now because Yes. And zero credits history, and even that's getting... This is just all part of one long... And that's why I think that this is the worst joke zero credits has done in 2019, only because of the moral obligation we have to not incite violence. Yeah, we can incite violence no matter what. And that would be like saying the only way to solve our political problems is like a high-powered rifle. Because, listen, you can... The scientific fact is that you could, if you wanted to, probably get away with a lot of people in our government because the scientific advances on arms, we can arm ourselves like a military. You could anyone. You have introduced a new joke. So what was yours? The Joker? The Joker, yeah. Yeah, that wins. <laughs> yeah, the Joker wins. Uh... You know, we want to keep it in the minds of the people. Yeah, yeah, because the Joker movie had important things to say, and if we allude to it, then they're thinking about it, yeah. and then they're thinking they're about, thinking about doing it. Sure. Yeah. And the other jokes that we can actually give context to get struck for the record. Yeah. Sounds great. That's five. That's five. Number twelve. Oh, God. Every one of these, you've seemed like you do not like it. Number 12, uh, my wife suggested. <gasps> is this what I think it is? It's exactly what you think yes, it is. Yes, 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 yes. Number 12 is best worst cat. Yes, and of course we mean cat from the musical slash 2019 film Cats. Oh, I was going to get really sentimental and sad. Oh, don't do that. Live in the world of cats. All right. Best cat of 2019, which of course could only be from the musical Cats. This is going to get weird. This is going to get very weird for you, John. This is going to get super weird. Yes. All right. So I don't know if you know this about me, John. Uh, I have a, I have some, um, what's, pre- predilections? Yeah. What's that word mean? Uh, Tendencies? Yeah, like a tendency towards something. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, every episode that we post about on Twitter or Facebook comes with a a graphic, a picture that I put together. And more often than not, there's a certain uh, singer-songwriter featured in it. Um, uh, She's the most paid artist, songwriter singer of all time um she's insanely popular her songs are are great and uh i love her uh whatever the fuck cat taylor swift plays is the best cat of 2019 oh you mean bum i don't give a fuck bum i don't give a goddamn (laughs) uh she's a principal character in cats there's a gif of taylor swift as a cat shaking the catnip in a different sense of what you're talking about, oh. shaking up the cat nips. Oh, boy. Uh, so, best cat of 2019 being Bumballerina as played by Taylor Swift. I instead offer Mr. Mistopheles. Idris Elba. No, that's McCavity. God fucking damn it. I can see it. Wait, magical Mr. Mistopheles. The magical the one, cat. The one who's magic. Not to spoil it 
But in the play version, the one who restores balance to the world of the cats by returning Deuteronomy with his goddamn fucking cat magic. Yes, Mr. Mistopheles, he's my best cat of 2019. Who plays Mr. Mistopheles? Uh, Lori Davidson. Lori... A woman's? Lori Davidson... A girl uh, cat? No, it is a he. Lori... Lori is a dude's name. Uh, Lori can't be a dude's name in this case. Any name can be anyone's name. That's very heteronormative of me, and I apologize. But Mr. Mistopheles uh, is fascinating to me as someone who has never seen the musical Cats. It's stupid. Uh, Because I've read a lot of essays and synopses about Cats. I fucking hate it. Mr. Mistopheles is interesting to me because he is, at best, like a B-tier character... Most important character in the play. Mm -hmm. He has magic, literal magic, that brings old Deuteronomy, the most important character, back instantly after being kidnapped and then replaced by McCavity or one of McCavity's minions. Huge turn. And Mr. Mistopheles has a great song. He's a great song. The magical Mr. Mistopheles. Belize. And he... You never have a movie or a play where the person who's the most powerful and solves all the problems is not a principal character. I guess he's a principal character. Wizard char- of Oz. Ah, uh, who? <laughs> who does it in The Wizard of Oz? The wizard. Oh, you're right. The man behind the curtain. Yeah. So I guess... Cats is as good as The Wizard of Oz. No, I get what you're saying. There's one conflict in Cats, the play. I don't know about the movie. I don't know what they changed. There's one conflict in the play. Deuteronomy, old Deuteronomy is disappeared by uh, McGavigan. McCavity. McGonagall. And he's returned by Mr. Mistopheles, which also Mistopheles is a is a reference, I want to say, to Gerther's... Uh, I, don't know, I don't remember the name of his... Wait, wasn't that Jason Derulo's issue with his cat? The Gerther? No, no. Um, there's an old German story about a, a man who sells his soul for power, and he sells it to Mistopheles, a demon. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the man's name. Oh. But it's done by Gertra, or Gerther. Is it Faust? Faustus. Yeah, Faustus. Yeah. The demon Mistopheles. Mm-hmm. Magical Mr. Mistopheles. One and the same. The cats are demons. Cats are demons. Who wins cat? So I posit to you, John, for best cat of 2019 from the, the movie Cats, a hot singstress Taylor Swift cat, mm-hmm. or a literal fucking demon. Well, I do want to fuck those cats real bad, so I guess I'll go for... <laughs> I guess I'll go Taylor Swift. You know, you know what's weird? Here's a weird strength of Taylor Swift's cat. I've never been a furry. Uh-huh. But now I kind of <laughs> get the appeal. Yeah, everyone... Look, there's two things. I feel like this movie Cats is... So remember the... Oh, did you ever see the Disney Robin Hood with the foxes? Uh-huh. I feel like this movie Cats is going to do for a generation... Uh, no, it is... What that Robin Hood with the foxes movie did for our generation. It's the furry movie for, for people. Mm-hmm. F- for fur people. Uh, absolutely. No, I, I I get it. Everyone had a... Everyone had one where they're like, oh, yeah. I could see myself being a furry. Even Roxanne from the Goof Troop movie, which is a super specific reference that might say more things about me than it does the people around me, triggered that in some people. Mine was the mouse lady from uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. 
Gadget. Gadget. Yeah, mine was Gadget. How do you feel about Lola Bunny from Space Jam? No, I don't like high femme people okay. to begin with. Okay. Uh, however, that brings us to worst cat. Worst cat. Gotta be McCavity. <laughs> Well, yeah, he disappears old Deuteronomy. He, listen, he disappears old Deuteronomy. He's nasty. He has two lines. Bumbalurina. No, someone else wants to have sex with him. Well, who he's does? Played he's by, a bad boy. He's played by Idris Elba. I love. Is a positive. Yeah, I love Idris Elba. Wait, no. Quick, quick change. Oh no! Because My actual worst cat, twenty nineteen, Buster for Jones, played by James Corden, someone who I hate with every fiber of my being. Okay. I know we are not a visual podcast. Can we high-five right now in agreement that James Corden is the worst entertainer of late night? Can we agree that his cat is the worst? Yes. Okay. All right. High-five me. High-five. Fuck James Corden. Whatever the fuck. Buster for Jones. Buster for Jones. He's the worst cat. 2019. Hands down. Worst cat. You heard it here first. Folks. Which is not true, because the reviews are pouring in. And my favorite review right now, it's too wildly horny, <laughs> which, look, we can get it. I mean, we know who's in it. Yeah. There's a lot of hot people. <laughs> There's a lot of hot people listen, in this cat movie. Listen, hot cats. Look, you can't put listen Sir Ian McKellen and Jane, Dame Judy Dench. She's in it, right? Yeah. You can't put those two in a movie and not expect people to get like a little worked up in the theater... They're too hot. Listen, the they cat. are too hot. The cats are hot. The cats are hot. The cats are hot. There's a weird thing in my head. I've seen the movie Cat. I've seen the play Cats. Yeah. Where it's human people on a human scaled stage. I have seen the trailer for Cats where it's human people who are like shrunk the fuck down. Yes. On a weird cat level and everything else is big. I get, like, a weird vertigo sensation. That scene where the cat's, like, banging the fork and knife in front of the huge plate freaks me freaks me out. We can't oh, talk about we cats We can't anymore. talk about it. Do you ever see Dr. Seuss of Mike Myers? No. I never did either. And that movie f- probably sucks. We have to move on to the next category. That's six yes. out of ten. We're moving on to number We're seven. We're halfway done. 39. We are out of Primus. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Number 39. Oh, wow. This With is a bullet. A very interesting category. The best slash worst human person of 2019. The best human person and the worst human person. Oh, boy. Of 2019. This sucks. I will say number one with a bullet. She's doing way more than I do with my life at a younger age than I ever thought to do anything with it. And she's times people of the year. Uh, Greta Thunberg. Oh. I think she's the best person of 2019. And, like, this isn't to be political. I just think a 16, 17-year-old getting out there and spreading a political message. I don't care what that does for her personal life because I'm of the personal mind of get it where you can. Yeah. Uh, That was a a statement said by a good uh, acquaintance of mine in high school. His name was Zach. I forget his last name, Zach Tyler, maybe. Mm-hmm. He, his famous catchphrase was, hell yeah, get it where you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that applies to Greta. It's like, if she's making money off of this, I don't, that's fine. But she's spreading a good message at, at an age where it's like, yeah, her generation has to be the one to enact the change. Like, because the people in power are the people, the generation who are too 
removed from us, mm-hmm. and they have an iron grasp on the fucking, like, decision-making, and we're like, what the fuck do we do? And she's out here sailing across the Atlantic to get back home as not to, to like, put the planet at more risk. And, she, and then she said, on top of that, I don't expect everyone to do that because it's not economically feasible, but these are some of the moves that we need to sort of take to save the planet. I think she's the best person because I don't think there's a false thing about her is the thing. I couldn't posit competition. I'm totally in agreement. I think that Greta Thunberg is like the the one. Yeah, this this isn't like there, a weird but mother. Also, she she's doing something that we need to do faster. Yeah. Uh, in that changing I, her life in order yeah. to make the planet better. But also her level of activism, it, it's not a stopgap, but it is a bridge to a greater form of activism because I think that the greatest form of activism is an active constant meaningful activism uh, bordering on and entering into at times violence i don't think violent protest is a positive uh but i do think that violent protest is a byproduct of an effective mobilized working class that wants to uh ensure their future existence on earth yeah Uh, i think that violent protest is something that comes out of existing on the fine line where you're holding people accountable and holding people to the wall to actually make the thing happen because without that happening we're all dead even though that was a misquote it was a mistranslation no oh yeah no i I wasn't actually like quoting the to the wall thing okay that was okay that was a happy accident but But no i i think that two steps removed from and advanced from greta thunberg is holding people to the wall which is necessary well it's the the end of the roque poem you must change your life yeah like that that's that's her in like a distilled form like she's she's not just saying this shit she she believes in it and she yeah. wants other people to believe in it it's like it's a thing that i resist on the everyday basis out of convenience like we should go meatless we we should resist the industry that is putting the planet at risk the most the cattle industry who, no fault of their own, uh, cattle, they produce a lot of methane that goes into the atmosphere. Yeah. But it's because they're they're farmed at such the extent that they are in America that they're having an impact. And if more people went beefless or meatless, they would have less of a demand, less of an impact, less of a need for them. And we are getting to the point where, where meat substitutes are getting to the point where you can't even... Tell the difference. Yeah. Which is a thing that we experienced this past yes, Sunday. Unfortunately, unfortunately we, we experienced it. And so more people need to, to do the things that Greta is saying to do, mm-hmm. which is change your life for the better, save the goddamn planet. It's the only one we got. Yeah. And, it, and to circle back on a point I was trying to make earlier, it's not a Mother Teresa thing where she's saying one thing and doing another Look up Mother Teresa. She was <laughs> actually a bad person. Yes. Very. Maybe she's a saint now. I don't know. I don't follow that religion that believes in saints. Other than the New Orleans saints, which is the religion of my <laughs> homeland, which is yes. to say drunk Louisianians, which are the best people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Greta is the, the, the person, human person, best human person of 2019. Uh, totally agreed. 
Right. Uh, we we can't argue against it. She's doing something with her life that you need to, which is change it significantly. Yeah, it, it's like the Christopher P- Paulini person. He he wrote the Aragon books. He at thirteen, like, and you felt inadequate. It's yeah. like that, but like toward a good thing. Yes, instead of writing books, it's actually like fixing the world. Which I mean. Uh, I don't know. If you care about Greta Thunberg, the only thing that I would say is you need to resist uh, at all times the call of idolatry because you can't say, oh, Greta Thunberg's yeah. like really out well, there, yeah. like really making a thing happen. I do a meatless Monday like every once in a while, yeah. but like actually examine what you're doing. Don't like worship her as like a, like a social yeah. justice win. Actually take from her example. Like, you don't even have to cut out meat. Just stop buying shit from Amazon. Stop sending a bunch of money to corporations that are actively killing the planet. Like, the the worst thing you can do is... Perpetuate. Is, is like, yas queen Greta Thunberg and not oh. change anything about your well, life. Yeah, and that's not the point of the best human person of the year, I don't think, even though we just created it. Like, the point... That's, yeah. No, no, no. It's I, not like a times person of the year where it's like... Yeah, we're going to celebrate her. We're going to put a bunch of magazines on a truck, and that truck's going to go all the, you know, waste a bunch of fossil fuels and go all over the nation. Yeah. To distribute this paper product, which is like, that's, that that was a joke made by media when she was named Time Person of the Year, Mm -hmm. which was like, that happened on Monday. Yeah. What a long year. But no, I'm just saying, like, uh, you shouldn't, like, fall into idolatry, do what she actually does. Worst person of the year. Worst person of the year. This can go in a lot of different directions. I'm sorry if I'm keeping you. Oh, I have no schedule. I know, but... But this can be a phenomenally long episode. Uh, worst person of 2019. Can it be anyone other... I mean, it can't be. It has to be. Yeah. We can play this moment for a joke or we can be sincere. We play this moment for a joke. We do like, oh, we'll say it on three and say two different names. Yeah. If we want to be sincere, we'll just say right now, impeached... President Donald Trump has yeah. got to be the worst person. Yeah. Actually, I mean, is Mitch McConnell a worst person? Uh, I think that Mitch McConnell, here's a difficult thing. This is very difficult. If we base being worst person of the year on being knowingly evil. Mitch McConnell. It's got to be Mitch Because uh, Donald Trump is at best 60% aware of what's happening to him. I don't uh, like. He, he bumps yeah. around the world like a big, gross, rapey amoeba. Uh, I I think Mitch McConnell is the worst person because he is actively denying any action in the Senate. Yeah. Nothing can come to a vote. Yeah, no, Mitch McConnell is awful because he he realized that the the easiest way to win politics is to refuse to be bi- bipartisan. Yeah, you you pack courts. You you actively try to make it so people. Cannot get anything passed. Uh, Mitch McConnell is evil. Evil, evil, evil. Uh, Donald Trump is a fool. He's yeah. an idiot. He's, he's, a, a, he's a syphilitic mollusk. I've seen it said time and time again on Reddit, which is not a basis for anything because Reddit is a hive mind of pseudo-intellectuals who believe in their own goddamn farts more than believe in anything else. But I do agree with the statement. Mitch McConnell single-handedly has done more to harm the democracy that this country stands for than anyone else. Just absolutely. by not allowing... Yeah, you said absolutely. But, but by not allowing things to come to the Senate floor, mm-hmm. by just saying, we're not going to vote on that. Yeah. 
that is more damaging and harmful. Because the least you could do is pretend that you're going to talk about stuff. You're going to pretend that you're going to allow this to come to a vote. You have a majority in the Senate. You could play politics and say, we're going to have this debate. We're going to, and then the end result is the, Repu- the Republicans voted down. But what Mitch McConnell is, is doing is, we're not even going to allow the discussion of this from happening out of the sheer corrupt power? No, it's just a question of like how you pursue politics. And the, the American system as it stands right now was established with the assumption that people that were elected to positions of power would treat politics as a tool to distill the best outcomes for humankind. Yeah. It was it was created with the exceedingly naive notion that people who would be elected would have people's best interests at heart. Uh, it did not uh, it did not account for the inevitability that it would eventually become a system where people no longer care about what's in people's best interest, but rather uh, what constitutes winning in an increasingly divided partisan yeah. field. So it, it does not matter. We, we live in a point right now where any politician in power would actually do something that would kill millions of Americans to win on ideological grounds. Yeah. Like the and and we do that. Every day we make choices that kill thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of Americans in the short, medium and long term because we're just trying to win on ideological grounds. We have a government made up largely of nothing but ideologues who will destroy the country and destroy the world for the purposes of winning ideologically and this exists on both sides of the political spectrum mitch mcconnell is just a very smart evil example of it he happens to be a member of the gop but exists all over the place and we've made grave mistakes in electing people who are ideologues to positions of power period mitch mcconnell is much worse than donald trump yeah because Donald Trump is like a... He's a trumpet that people blow through. He's a figurehead. He, he He's a symbol of the problem at large, which is this bipartisan system that, again, gets stuck in the trenches of ideolo- I, I, ideology. Mm-hmm. That's not the word. Ideology. Ideology. Um, instead of focusing on the real issue at hand, which is the literal uh, livelihood of millions. Like... I read that maybe Obamacare is at peril right now because of court decisions. I mean, Obamacare sucks. But at least it provides protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Yeah, no. Obamacare was a... We can't get into we it. We can't. We really, we really can't. In fact, let's just move on. That was number seven. We... Total agreement. Yeah, Best total and agreement. worst. Best and worst. Best person, Greta. Worst person, Mitch. We're moving on. To number four. Oh, I'm actually excited about this. Okay. Best worst internet video. Best worst internet video. And before you say anything, I need to show you a video. Okay. Uh, hello there. Once again, there is need for exposition, etc., etc. What you're about to hear is the audio from popular YouTube video Kid Gets Destroyed by Shark Tank. Please enjoy. Ha. 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 
Next into the tank is a kid entrepreneur who wants to help other kids fulfill their entrepreneurial aspirations. Sharks. My name is Jack Minot. I'm the founder and CEO of Jack's Stands and Marketplaces, and I'm from Denver, Colorado. Sharks, I'm seeking $50,000 in exchange for 10% of my company. I'm 10 years old, but when I was... $50,000 is not a small amount of money. I'm here to make money. Let it finish, Jeff. So my um, parents um, loaned me um, $1,000. Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Idiot, he's a con artist. <laughs> you. Well, I'm like, You're a <laughs> get the out of here. Oh, what want to be ya? <laughs> I'm telling you, whether it was you or me or Robert or one of us, he was going to do that to somebody. It just happened to be you were the last because guy. I realized he's a gold digger. He's an idiot, he's a con artist. <laughs> Kevin, don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Very good. So my best video of 2019, I li literally found out about two days ago. It's a video entitled, uh, Kid Gets Destroyed by Shark Tank. And what it is, is a small child entrepreneur walks up to Shark Tank, and the sharks, true to their name, tear that fucking kid apart. Any kid who identifies as an entrepreneur deserves to be torn apart by sharks. And I don't mean the people on the show. <laughs> no child should be a capitalist. Now, my best video of 2019. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Cliff Wife. I have not. Uh, so, you know, you might not know about this, know this about me, but I'm uh, a pretty odorous person. Oh, you're very smelly? Uh, I... I like bad stuff. Do you know what a wife guy is? Is that a guy who lives vicariously through his wife? It is someone for whom, so, number one, they have to have a wife. And then something happens to them or to their wife. And it relates to their wife. And that makes them a wife guy. Like, don't email my wife guy, wife guy. Don't email my wife. You know the type. I better not catch you talking to my wife. It's someone with a wife, and they're a wife guy. I have a wife. You're not a wife guy. I understand. Now, there's a... Uh, Sean McBride is a Snapchat celebrity for his uh, goofy Snapchat videos. However, over Memorial Day weekend 2019, his life changed. He says, he wrote on Twitter... I watched my wife fall off a cliff. Your whole world can change in a matter of seconds. Mine almost did. A good reminder to be grateful for every moment of it. The good and the bad, the happy and the sad. Because you're here. Uh, the video was released of his wife falling off of a cliff. And it is contained here. And, and he's just, look at him. He's a wife guy. But watch his dumbass wife fall off a cliff. There she goes. <laughs> Wait, that was the cliff? That was the cliff. Oh my god. That yeah, that was the cliff. Oh there is god. a there is a two minute video where they are hugging and crying about how she could have died. Uh I've fallen off of bigger cliffs than that. That's a goddamn 
ledge. It's hard. That's a ledge. It's hard to describe. That's a nothing. It's hard to describe. The fact that she just lays there at the end is it was. Oh, she's like, don't move my arm. Classic wife guy stuff. That's my entry for best internet video 2019. Oh man, this is gonna be a hard fight. Kid gets destroyed by Shark Tank versus Cliff Wife. Yeah. Kid gets destroyed by Shark Tank. Child getting destroyed. Pretty good. Cliff yeah. wife. Wife falling off a cliff. Also pretty good. I mean, I guess I have a wife, so I have to stick up for wives everywhere. <laughs> yes. Okay. By saying that Cliff wife must stay in the zeitgeist because then people are aware of the danger of when wives are in peril. But Kid gets destroyed by Shark Tank is the funniest video of all time. It's pretty funny. Yeah. But Cliff Wife. But it's so funny, though. It's Cliff Wife. But Shark Tank... Cliff Wife. Oh, man. Are we actually <laughs> at an impasse here? We are at a minor impasse, but I can oh. understand if you're not a huge fan of wife guys. Wife guys are my bread and butter. I don't know what a wife guy... I don't really fully understand the definition. And you so know what? Their entire thing, their entire being is surrounded by uh, my wife? Uh, you you wouldn't get it. You have a wife. I have a wife. I you don't understand. You couldn't get it. You'll never get it. I probably won't. Guys, I you think see, Henry's you, a wife guy. Once you get married, uh, some men in suits and glasses come visit you, and they hand you push a your wife off a cliff. They hand you a certificate that says, "I am a certified wife guy." Okay, and uh, that gets you discounts at Coles. Uh, <laughs> that sounds about right. You know what? With the understanding that we'll never reach a consensus. And we can just move on. And that you'll never get it. Yeah. Because you are a wife guy. I guess I'm too I'm too deep. So I'll say your little video wins. But we all know what the real winner is. <laughs> That's the most condescending way you could put that. Your small time video, I guess, is okay. Yeah, you can't you you can't see the genius of Cliff Wife, but um. I I get it. Now you're in trouble, though, because we need to come up with a worst internet video for 2019, and I already got mine. I don't have one. Oh, well, maybe you'll just latch on the mine. Okay. Any gender reveal party video is the worst video of 2019. That whole genre of video is the worst. Uh, yeah, that is pretty bad. You know, people were talking about legalizing, uh, the people were talking about criminalizing gender reveal parties. Yeah. Criminalize gender. <laughs> then well, it solves yeah. the whole problem for everybody. As long as we understand there's a difference between gender and sex, and sex is important only for medical health reasons, because your doctor does need to know certain things. Yeah, like how sexy you are. Like how sexy you are. Then yes, I, I absolutely agree. You know what? I agree. Gender reveal videos. Gender reveal videos are stupid. I think Australia is on fire because of climate change, but California is on fire because of gender reveal parties. Yes. Uh, no, gender reveal parties, I totally agree with you. Let's chalk that up to a group win. That's a group win. Don't reveal your gender. Hey, hey, hey. Maybe just let the baby be born, huh? Yeah. Maybe just let the, I don't know what to buy your baby. It's a baby. They literally will like anything up until year four. 
They're always the most redneck ass people too. Oh, man. They're like, we're gonna have a gender reveal party. Where I've loaded one tracer round into my <laughs> AR-15. If the tracer round's pink, it means my progeny is a woman. If the tracer round is blue, it's a boy. I'm gonna fire that tracer round into the heart of this Iraqi uh, yeah. target. Yeah, yeah. No, no, literally, uh, a guy I went to high school with was like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna light a firework off in this parish, in my home parish, where fireworks are no lie, fireworks are illegal. Punishable by death. Punishable by death. And, uh, he was like, we're gonna light this firework, firework off, if it's pink, it's a girl, if it's blue, if it's a boy... And they lit it, and it went off. It was pink. Oh, we're having a girl. The police showed up. Of course. And they were like, hey, uh, fireworks are illegal. Yeah. We have to take you to jail. I... And he was like, what? No, my, it's a gender reveal party. And they're like, I'm sorry. We are the police. Yeah. You have to go to jail. I'm going to firebomb one police station. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If it's pink, girl. If it's blue, boy. Dumb. And we Gender look, reveal parties yeah. are dumb. Gender's a dumb concept. Moving on. We're going to move on. Everyone should be non-binary. What, what number it's, is this? Set. That was number eight. This is number nine. Really? I felt like that was seven. Don't. <laughs> don't do that. Okay, let's say it's eight. Don't and this is that. nine. I have to edit this. What if... This is the next one. Number 33. We have two more left to do, including this one. Pick a different number. <laughs> 13. Okay, 13 is a little bit better, but also might lead to weird stalling. The best worst cultural moment. Best worst cultural moment. How are we defining cultural moments? Anything that entered the zeitgeist. This is the broadest category ever. Which might make it the hardest category ever. No, let's do... This one's going to be real easy. All right. Because I already have mine. Do you have one? I don't know if you could see my soul escaping <laughs> from my breath and my eyes going uh, anime wide. Yeah. No, I don't have one your yet. Your pupils get real small. Your eyes get really big. And uh, there was like a weird Japanese voice over mine if I can go first. You have to. Uh, my best cultural moment, uh, we've been alluding to throughout the podcast is actually the embracing of cultural Marxism, uh, where we are now viewing society, history, and the future through the lens of class warfare in 2019, starting now, echoed through the Joker, Disco Elysium, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Parasite. Pokemon Sword and Shield has nothing to do with it! 99% of the people have 1% oh, of the Pokemon. Oh, man. Uh, Leon Only the, Leon has, has a Charizard. And everyone should have a Charizard if they so choose. Uh, no, I, I think that that is something that's very exciting that's happening right now. I'm also getting involved in a lot of, uh, a lot of movements in my own spare time. Uh, yeah, yeah. to that effect, which are really cool. One of them is a wrestling thing. But otherwise... It's a shame that you're so very wrong. Because the best cultural moment of 2019... Uh, the American Music Awards happened a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And uh, Taylor Swift was set to win a Lifetime Achievement Award. And she wanted to perform uh, songs from her, her, her previous records. Mm -hmm. And her record company... 
held her previous songs hostage. Yes. And Taylor Swift posted a, a heartfelt letter to her fans about the situation. And everyone came to support her. AOC, Nancy Pelosi, Elizabeth Warren... Great. Three people that I love unconditionally. (laughs) Great. Me. Those people are really killing it. AOC. Henry did. Elizabeth Warren and Nancy Pelosi. Three people are really killing it. To band and support for Taylor Swift. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah. It was a moment of rich people trying to gatekeep. Mm Mm-hmm. Arguably a more rich person. Yeah, it was it was a real battle of the titans. A real And then a bunch a real, of poor people came in to support or, the really rich person. One of my favorite things is when there's two really rich entities fighting, and then they summon the bodies of the poor to cover their fists, so when they smash into each other, they just destroy more poor people. I'm gonna show you an image that you have seen before. And I want you to just identify the first thing you see in this image. Uh-huh. And uh, say it out loud. Don't think about it. What do you see first? You uh, thought about it. What do you see first? Just gut instinct. I guess I see a cowboy hat. Oh, no. It's Taylor Swift. Yes. Front and center. You've, you've preloaded this with a lot of T-Swift. I, hey, I hey. will tell you that I, I will never, ever... Side with Taylor Swift. Now I understand that uh, the the issue at hand is like music and our and artistic license as intellectual property is awful, and like keeping money away from artists for the things they made uh, is bad. But to root for Taylor Swift, I cannot do. Fine. I mean, I kind of get where you're coming from since you are uh, on this whole thematic (laughs) issue of class warfare. I feel like we would be underselling the the cultural movement that's happening right now if we were like, the best cultural movement is that everybody said, give the millionaire her money. Here's the thing. The category is moment yeah. Not movement. Ooh. But uh, uh, I will cede my cultural moment for yours. It is more than obvious if you just watched movies in the past couple of months, we're reaching what can only be described as a cultural fever pitch in the class issue that I wish would translate in any regard to yes. real life. Because the real problems facing this nation and world at large is that there's a huge disparity between those with the means to never work in their lives and those who work just to afford to be able to live. And that's a problem, and that's what we're going to change, to quote my good friend Bernie Sanders. Uh, And part of the uh, viewing culture as a class conflict... Bernie Sanders, like, huge rally in New York after he came back from the heart attack. Yeah. That's part of it. That's my cultural moment. And that's the one that wins. I will. I do have a condition. You got to look at this image again and just say the first thing you see. Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But she is stricken. This moment. Her moment. Stricken from history. No. The worst cultural moment of 2019... 
It's going to be anything that anyone I disagreed with believed in. Well, that's a sad take. I got it. This is the worst take, not because of what is happening, but the fact that it needs to happen. The worst cultural moment is that Hong Kong is in, what, week 59 of their protest? Yeah. With no with no ground being gained? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's pretty sad. How long did the Yellow Jacket protest go in Paris? Uh, not too long, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a big issue. Yeah, no, the, the fact that, uh, and, and even in this own country where, uh, there were mass protests in a bunch of major cities, the worst cultural moment of 2019 is the fact that people are protesting and no one seems to be listening. Yeah. It's, it's a very easy thing to ignore. If there's one thing that, uh, America and Americans should honor and appreciate and stand behind it's it's the uh, the 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 right to mass assemble it's the right to protest people should have the right to protest their government it's it's the Rousseau the social contract if people don't agree with the government people have the right to overthrow the government that's just the whole something thing. that should be essential especially to our cultural DNA since Thomas Jefferson stole from Rousseau to write our constitution. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. And you could say this country is is divisive. It's divided into two that there's majorities on both sides. But the thing is like the the, the best interests of the people are not being represented and like 90% of the things that are happening. 90%. 90% of the things that are happening do not represent 100% of the people that it affects. And that's a joke, but it's true. Totally agreed. And so the the worst cultural moment of 2019, any moment that the majority of the people's best interests are not kept to heart. So my worst cultural moment of 2019. Oh no, I thought we were, we were presenting as a unified front. My worst cultural moment of 2019 is as follows. I can't believe Taylor Swift is about to turn 30. She still looks so young. (laughs) It's strange to think that 90% of her eggs are already gone. 97% by the time she's 40. So I hope she thinks about having kids before it's too late. She'd be a fun mom. Fuck that fucking asshole. Stefan Molyneux uh, sucks real bad. Oh my god, I read that. That appeared. Chrissy Teigen retweeted it and it appeared on our feed, which we don't follow Chrissy Teigen, so somebody we follow follows Chrissy Teigen, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that fucking sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not gonna defend or fight for it. Ball's in your court. You choose which one wins. Uh, wait, fuck you. (laughs) I, I can't I can't fight for Stefan Molyneux. You're putting me in a position where I have to pick anyone who's not being listened to or a guy who's attacking Taylor Swift. Listen, I'm just saying you have to be put in a position where you choose whether or not Taylor Swift's interests are greater than the interests of society. One, I might... uh, Are you the ghost of Christmas present? Are you trying to make me better... A position, I am might I, say... Am I, am I, am I, am I, am I Taylor... Knees or screws? Uh, Swift? <laughs> a position, I might say, you might have been in recently. 
Taylor Swift versus the world. The lady or the tiger. What's that from? The lady or the tiger, right? Wait, is that the thing where you have to pick a... The person has to pick a door and you're not supposed to know who... No. That's the goat dilemma. That's not a goat dilemma. There's a goat behind What's the, the lady or the tiger? Tell I, me. I don't know. So, you know... It, it was said in an episode of Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> well, it's based on you don't know what door it is. There's a lady behind one door, there's a tiger behind the other door. You don't know which one it is. Jamie would tell me. Hmm... I pick the people who are suffering for not being listened to over Taylor Swift. And I agree. Yep. This was a this was a test. One of those people is not who was not being listened to briefly, but then was then listened to was Taylor Swift. Ha ha! God damn it! Ha <laughs> ha! She wins no matter what. And well, that's her superpower. And we come to the last one. What? No, this is nine. Wasn't the last one eight? No, you. The last one I... Oh, you, you said this is eight. So this one is nine. We got... Oh, we still have two more. Yeah. This is number one. Oh, I am actually excited. My voice hurts me to speak right now. But number one, best worst song of 2019. And I already got my best and my worst already picked. I was hoping this would come up. I also have my best and my worst pick. Now, the interesting thing is you and I have very different approaches to music. Yes, uh, in that you listen to nothing from the current year and I listen to exclusively things from the current year. Uh, I listen to uh, contemporaneous music constantly. All right, well, uh, number one, with a bullet. Well, I don't say it. I can only name one song for best. Uh, no, the best song of this year, hands down, was Old Town Road. Old Town Road, interesting pick, which we talked about for 30, yeah. 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah, extensively we, we covered this song, and I think absolutely what it did, refer back to the, that conversation, uh, opening the world of country music to things that are different from country music is great, but also it's just what the kids call it slaps, it bangs, it jumps around... It is on fire with a Y-A-H. Y-A-H. Now I have a best of 2019. I thought you would agree with me. And I think you almost definitely haven't heard it. It is at this point of our program where John must show Henry a song in order for it to compete in the best worst 2019 games. Unfortunately, we cannot play the song for you tonight, fams. Instead, please enjoy this midi clip of Taylor Swift's Christmas Tree Farm. And just know that the song John has picked would not be a delight to listen to in any way, shape, or form. John is a monster. Happy holidays. Ha. Ha. Ha.
to Money Machine by 100 Gex? That was not good. You don't know music. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That was auto-tuned to that, hell. That's the point. That, that doesn't mean anything that's to me. That's the point. No. You can't. Listen. You're telling me Old Town Road is not as important as your auto-tuned to hell Money Machine song. Listen. Old Town Road's important. I'll concede it. But I do want to put 100 Gex in the minds of our listeners. They're great. You could. Although, God since they lost. Wait, before. No, 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 the gun's loaded. But listen to the song Gex, before it's lost from you. 100 Gex, boom, with a bullet gone from the cultural zeitgeist of human history. What a shame. Before their time. Before their time. Much before their time. Uh, their album slaps, but they're gone forever. You can name drop the album. Uh, and that brings us to number ten. You can name the album. That brings us to number ten. Name the album. Forget the name of the album. You said their album slaps. I don't listen to album. You, you didn't oh, yeah, listen yeah, yeah, yeah. to their album? It's 1,000 Gex. <laughs> the uh, album from 100 Gex? 1,000 Gex. So it's Bad Company featuring Bad Company. Worst song of 2019. They have a ska song. They have a ska send-up song called Stupid Horse about making out with a horse. It's so good. There are ska bands out there like Flying Raccoon Suit that you could listen to. Yeah, I mean, Flying Raccoon Suit's good, but... 100 Gex is doing a whole Worst song of 2019. I already got my pick in my head. Do you want me to start... Worst song of 2019. What song do I hate? This isn't even a song I hate. I actually like this song, but uh, it's the worst song of 2019. Oh, you go first. So we've been talking a lot about class differences and how that's really important. And you know what song goes just flying in the face of that, like in the wrong direction? Oh. Ariana Grande's Seven Rings. Oh, I was actually going to say the same song. Uh... I don't think it's possible to have a song in this this cultural climate in 2019 that has a line that says, whoever says money don't solve your problems must have not had enough money to solve them. That line infuriates me every time I hear it because it's just, it, it is so ignorant. It is so not, just, just not accepting of people's problems. And oh, it's just so problematic. And the fact that she gets to sing that and get away with it in a time where, like, Parasite exists. Yeah. For the theme, it makes sense. I totally agree. Yeah. Honorable mention to You Need to Calm Down by Taylor Swift. Fuck you! What's your problem? She's a bad ally. No, but um, no, she's an okay ally. She's, she makes an effort. The bar is low. She hugged Katy Perry. Cool. Their feud. <laughs> Great. Over. You mean their manufactured feud? For the sake of LGBTQ+. Plus. Their, their manufactured feud? She did it in the name of love. Thank God the two billionaires hugged. Her name, album is Lover. Cool. Because everyone deserves love. Sure. Don't. Ariana Grande's <laughs> Seven Rings is worse because of uh, speaks to all your dumb class issue things that you love so much. Leave Taylor Swift's name out of your mouth. And now that brings us finally... We didn't agree on who won. <laughs> no, I was going to say I was going to say the same thing. Oh, okay. No, honorable mention to... So, you to so, so, so you just went out of your way to hurt me. No, to hurt Taylor. 
And by extension... Yes, as a matter of fact. Now that brings us to number 10. Number 10. Oh, I gotta get the list back out. Please don't say the number until right about now. Number 6. You wanted to make sure? Yeah, number six. Yeah, you wanted to make sure representation. What? The best and worst zero credits tweet. <laughs> best and worst zero credits tweet. Pull it up. We got to represent ourselves. Oh, you wanted to make sure. <laughs> there are so many good things on this list. We got to make sure. Fate hey, has th- dealt a heavy hand. We cannot discredit the random number generator. All right, so we're we are both heading to Twitter to pull up our our own our own Twitter account to look at the best and worst tweet of 2019, of which there are a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of tweets. Who, I wish I engaged with our social media more. You used to. You actually did a good job of it. I uh I'm like a social media wizard. I cast a spell and then leave. I forgot wizards never stick around. They don't. Wizards love them and leave them. The best and worst zero credits tweet of 2019. I can't believe this came up. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you know this, but I've been using the zero credits Twitter as my own personal Twitter Mm -hmm. for the past uh, years. Yes. So uh, a lot of this stuff is just stuff that I've uh, done. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, maybe I should go to, like, analytics to see, like, what performed good. <laughs> yes, the, the best tweets are the ones that performed the best. Well, it's probably Taylor Swift related, so that's also, like, another boom. Oh! Was that this year? Yeah. Was it? Probably. I can't find analytics on the mobile app. Is that... Is there a place for that? Wait, didn't you make a tweet that, like, sparked the Taylor army to our I cause? remember it, but I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was... I don't know. And so the Zero Credits boys spent a rousing ten minutes looking through the Twitter feed, searching for the perfect candidates for this particular category. It was an epic quest filled with scrolling, trying to remember passwords, and a dire need to access the analytics, which for some reason are not accessible on the app. All of this leads us to this great, time-honored moment. Good luck making this good. Uh, I'm honestly almost going to recommend we pick another, another category. Let's just agree, best Joker Man, worst Joker Man, and pick a new category, bonus category. Yeah, bonus, well, Joker Man was all on my Facebook. Fuck! Was that what you were looking for? Yeah. Yeah, that was all, Um, that was all my Facebook. Category 14! Hold up, wait a minute, let me reference my... Have we done 14 already? (laughs) No, I exited... The window that Henry, had the list in we it. need to do the best worst. The year depends on it. I know, John. I know. And now I gotta go back to docs. You getting doxed, bro? Oh, I gotta find best worst nineteen. This is a shit show. The first Where five the were pretty good. Fuck is it? Got deleted. Oh okay. What did you say? Fourteen. Oh fuck. <laughs> 
John, the best worst political event of 2019. Oh, best impeachment of Donald Trump. Best impeachment of Donald Trump. Worst. Worst. The continued presidency <laughs> of Donald Trump. Oh, no, we can't get too political with it. Well, you said <laughs> the best was the impeachment of Donald Trump. No, I, yeah. I really wish you would have said 16. Wait, 16? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do 16 instead. All right. Best worst new Pokemon. Ooh, that's a tough one. Really? Yeah. Oh. Because there's... Ooh, I know who my favorite new Pokemon is. See? So the best one is obviously... Well, do you want to go first or me go first? The best one is obviously. Yeah, obviously Impidimp. Ah, okay, I can see why you would say Impidimp. Impidimp, Morgrim, whatever the third one is. Uh, Grim... Grimshanks. <laughs> Grim Tank. Grim Tanks. Uh, no, Impidimp's great. Um, You've, he, we've never had a Pokemon that is the devil. <laughs> that is literally like a devil. We've yeah. never had a Pokemon that is a human devil a before. Human it's devil. a big deal. It's a huge deal. Impidimp's great. Morgan's great. Dark Fairy. Cute, cool. Grimmsnarl. Grimmsnarl. Very cool typing. Dark Fairy. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty Staple cool. of my um, party, even though I've only had him for like an hour. <laughs> I think that's that's all right. Uh, have you met uh, Dreepy? No. Dragapult? What? You've not met Dragapult? What is Dragapult? I'm going to pull up an image for you of Dragapult and explain this whole deal. And then uh, you'll see why Dragapult's the best. Here's Dragapult. This is Dragapult. Okay. You see the little guys and then like his little weird head? Uh-huh. Uh, those are Dreepy. And Dragapult shoots Dreepy out of his head to hurt his enemy. And also see that little tail? Uh-huh. That's invisible because he's a ghost. Oh! Ghost dragon. Wow, Dragapult. another cool typing. Yeah. You know, I was... Pokemon Sword and Shield really knocked out of the park with typings you didn't expect. You know a Toxel and Tox Electric? Super, super awesome. Poison man. Electric? Yeah. Pff, such a good typing. Punk Rock? Yeah. Really rules. Super amazing. Great moves. That dude rules. That guy's awesome. I don't think he'll ever leave my party. I didn't yeah. think that Poison Electric would have such good coverage. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's real good. Plus, just the whole... Did you get... Like a, an amped up version or a low key version? I don't know what the difference is. Yellow hair? Uh huh. Or blue hair? Blue hair. You got you got a low key one. Oh man. How do I get a good one? Oh, it's dependent on their nature. That's a whole other story. Oh, fuck. So between those two, between. Can you catch them? Yeah, you can catch them. I got given one by an NPC. Yeah, yeah, that happens. But you can also you can breed them, you can catch them. Okay. Yeah, they're in the wild. Okay, I want a new one then. Okay, well. Uh, Grimshanks versus yeah. Dragapult. This is hard. Grimshanks is good. Yeah. Dragapult is my favorite. That's fair. Hmm. Mm. What an impasse. Is Dragapult only one? No, no it a... evolves from the team. Yeah, one. yeah, there's a more. There's a more. Now, let me sell you on this. All right. Impidimp, Morgrim, and Grimmsnarl are the devil. <laughs> Never you know, before seen. You make a good point. You see, you got Impidimp, which is like a little, like, snarky trickster. 
You got Morgrim, which literally stabs people with its hair. Gives priority to status moves. And a surprisingly cool ability. And then you've got Grimmsnarl, which is... I don't know if you know this about Grimmsnarl. Its body is made of hair fibers uh-huh. that are tougher than human muscle. Yes, it is made of muscle <laughs> It's hair. made of muscle. So, yeah, okay, as much as I like Dragapult, muscle devil. <laughs> muscle devil. In a, in a world where Pokemon are decidedly unjacked and yeah. not the devil, yeah. now we have a jacked devil. A jacked devil, decidedly, who's get, who gets prankster, so it's priority to, to status moves. Yeah. And the only I, shame is, you can't Gigantamax any of them. They don't have cool Gigantamax forms. You haven't seen the... What? The, no! John. There's a cool Gigantamax... This game... John. This game... First, I learned that there was a Gigantamax version of the ice cream Pokemon that turned into a giant cake. I lost my shit. John. I don't read about these games. John. You can Gigantamax the devil? John. No! No! John. It's a giant version of the devil. John, it becomes... I I don't want to... I don't want to exaggerate or overstate in any way. Grimmsnarl when it Gigantamaxes becomes the perfect bean, <laughs> which is a literal muscle man. Yeah, it's a giant muscular devil. A giant muscular devil. I'm just showing you more pictures of it. Gr- Gr- Grimshanks Grimshanks in the game is the only final boss. <laughs> there no, it's just a man. It's just a man who's the devil who's monstrous. I don't know. He, like, floats and shit. It's so good. He, if there was a movie... He would be the devil. He would be, Look at this. Look at look at that claw reaching out. So good. Grimshanks, Grimshnarl, Gigantamax. I had no idea. So the worst new Pokemon from Pokemon Sword and Shield 2019. Who's the worst new Pokemon? Who's the worst? There's a bunch of Pokemon. There's one that's a bunch of tea. There's one that's a Wooloo. Fuck you. There's one that's a Penguin Ice Cube. Uh-huh. Penguin Ice Cube. There's one that's uh, just like a tower. There's one that's just a tower. You know? Pikachu? I'm gonna have to... I'm gonna have to go if it's don't... If it's not broke, don't fix it. Oh, none of them are Galar Meowth. You don't like Galar Meowth? Don't like Galar Meowth freaks me out. It's like a, it's got a, it's got a big beard. It's got, it's just a beard. It is a beard. Well, what's worse than Galar Meowth? Let me freeze up while thinking. Let me show you the worst new Pokemon in the game. 2019. You haven't seen it. You don't know. Is it, it the teapot one? You don't. You haven't seen this. The thing. teapot one's pretty cool. You haven't seen that. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a penguin. <laughs> its name is Iskew. It is a penguin with an ice cube Wait, on Iskew? its head. Iskew. Iskew. It doesn't evolve. It doesn't evolve. Nothing evolves into it. 
It's just this. I'm so tired. It is I'm just so tired of Pokemon. This. How can we live in a world where they give us the literal devil and Ice Cube? Fuck that thing. That's the worst new Pokemon. What version of the game do you have? Shield. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is in your game. You mean I don't get surfetched and I get that? Yeah, you don't get surfetched and you get this fucker. Who, by the way, uh, I don't know if you need to know this. The ice cube breaks and reveals it has a tiny pea head. It breaks under what conditions? If it gets hit. I really hate it. Look at him. Ooh, you know what's another really good new Pokemon? A Golossipede or whatever. Oh yeah, big uh, afro. What? Mm -hmm. No, the big bug guy. The one that uh, Wimpod turns into. That's not new! That's from X and Y. Yeah, oh, you're talking about... um... Glossoraptor. No. Glossopod. Yeah, Gossamon. Yeah, Glossopod or whatever. He's very cool. He's from Sun and Moon. Yeah, so he's not new. However, Impidimp, new as fuck. Impidimp's rules. Ice Cube, also new and sucks. Fuck it. Uh, So that's it. That is... that We did it. We covered... Oh, well, now we have to render the verdict. Oh, God. Was 2019 a good or bad year? Now, I think we believed... I think we left 2018 as like a so-so year. It's right in the middle. Yeah. I'm paralyzed. I don't know what to say. 2019, was it a good or was it a bad? We got really great media. We got really great uh, movies and video games. We got really awful television with some really good television. We had some really good sports moments with some really bad sports moments. I feel like determining... Good and bad things of everything doesn't really lean it one way or the other. Was the year a good or a bad? I feel like in 2018 we were in a pretty dark place. And I think that we were in a good place with media and consumerism. Uh, I feel like media and consumerism are actually worse than they were in 2018. But maybe gone farther down a path of monopolization. Yeah. But I also feel like we've done a couple good things to pull back from the brink like the Greta Thunbergs the cultural Marxism the the belief that that society is seen through the lens of class struggle becoming part of cultural conscious I actually feel like we're pulling a little bit back from the underlying darkness of 2018 and a lot of really awful stuff happened to me personally in 2019 uh, 2019 was a bad year for me, but I won't necessarily say that it was a bad <laughs> year just because of that. Well, it's funny because 2019 was a really great year for me. I got married, mm-hmm. moved in with my wife. Yeah. We've only had a couple of fights, mm-hmm. usually about dumb things. Yeah, that's how it goes. And, you know, there's a lot of good experiences in experiences in there like we went to vegas for the first time i got to see a band that i've loved forever in concert for the first time i think 2019 overall is a good year yeah i think i would be inclined to agree like i'm not saying great i'm not saying oh it's just on the line it's just on the line of good like we're we are bare minimum on the side of not bad. Yeah. We barely made it. Which is, you know, a ninety a 91 college terms is still an A. Yeah. Anything above a 90. 
I think it's just not failing. Yeah, we're, I we're, think that we're just not we're not tipping into the bad place. This is a D. This year is a D. D is so bad being translated into F. Yeah, and good being translated into anything above anything an F. That's not an F. All right. It was it was a below average good year. Yeah, because that's exactly what a D is. C is average. D is below average. Yeah, a below average good year. In my mind, a bad year is something that uh, does not advance and, in fact, regresses the efforts of and the futures of society. Yeah, I feel like twenty nineteen. I don't know. I'm hopeful. And I guess on that note, we have been talking since eight thirty. Yes, it is almost midnight. Correct. We have gone through the entire year. We have. My voice is leaving me. There's only one thing to do. And that is not to do the social media plugs. This is the last episode of 2019. We wouldn't be so crass as to end the year on a note of plugging our own shit. So instead, we're going to say everyone here... At the Zero Credits studio apartment, full of beer, full of happy times, full of good conversation, we want to wish you a happy new year. wonder if your wife's asleep. I hope she is. She wasn't feeling well. I hope we did not just wake her. Oh, no. I, I don't know. Happy New Year, fams. Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2020. <laughs> see you next year. Perfect vision. We'll see you in the next decade. We are coming at you. 2020. We're going to do it. We're going to do it big. We're going to do it well. I could stand to do some, some life improvement. That includes you guys. That includes John. We're all going to improve ourselves. Life is going to be good in 2020. I hope 2020 is better for me personally and for everyone else. Yeah. And as always, from everyone here at the Zero Credit (laughs) Studios, we want to wish Taylor Swift the best time that she could possibly have. God damn She is the only good thing in the world. Incorrect. Good year for Taylor Swift. Great year for Taylor Swift. 2019, the year of the Swift. 2020, the year of the Tay-Tay. 2021, the year of another nickname. Bye. Bye.
delicious over.